0: Stop him, Sam! He's gonna tell us a story! I first met Bruno 25 years ago in Saigon. And then there was the time we all had our taxes done by a platypus, and... Shut up! For God's sake, just shut up!
1: Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode twenty-three of the Square Waves FM podcast. I yellow your... bitches. Oh, sorry yellow. sorry. yellow bitches. Sure. The Yellow Bitches podcast. We're <laughs> we're drastically changing our demographic from thirty-something to to teen-something. That was probably sudden. the
0: most inappropriate thing I could have said during the intro. I'm sorry. Keep going.
1: That's like the that's like the uh, the message board equivalent of first, I believe. So way to way to start us off classy. Yeah.
0: I but, have nothing important to say, so I'm just going to say anything.
1: Apparently so. Well, geez. I mean, I was going to introduce myself as the host of the po- podcast, but why don't you, esteemed guest, go right ahead and and inverbulate your name. Inverbulate.
0: Now that's that's one I'm going to have to look up. Um, hi, I've just usurped everything. Apparently, <laughs> um, I'm I'm very sorry to my dear uh, co-host. I guess uh, co-host. Brian. <laughs> who, who must be shitting bricks at this point, um, because his podcast just uh, fell under my spell! Wow. My spell of deviousness. Anyway, uh, sorry, I am the uh, Space Quest Historian, uh, also known as Tolls, which is a weird name, I realize that, and uh, I am here to uh, have fun, I guess. I, I, hope. I
1: guess. I hope so. Well, hello, Trolls. I'm Brian.
0: Hello, hello Brian.
1: That's a weird name, or, too, I suppose. Or...
0: Or, or as we, or as we would say in, in Danish, Brian.
1: Oh, that's like how Doctor Spatzo pronounces my name. <laughs> I guess we've revealed his ethnicity at long last. Oh,
0: I love Doctor Spatzo.
1: I know he's he's he he's, he just cares so much.
0: Yeah, he does, and I love to just spouting innuendo at this dude and just watching him just go. I don't know what that means. What you don't know what cunt means? Come on. I know.
1: Well, yeah. we'll we'll learn him. He's he's he always wants to hear about me, but he doesn't really remember what I've said about him. Moments yeah, later,
0: so yeah, he's he's like this Alzheimer's a uh, uh, therapist, like uh, Also, this podcast is not safe for work. I think you might have realized that.
1: I think that's been true since episode one, so it's all good. Yeah, but
0: still. Anyway, sorry to interrupt your spiel. I'm very, very sorry. You are a very gracious host. Please continue.
1: Oh gosh, was I spieling? I don't know.
0: I don't know. You're about to do something.
1: Well. I don't know why this is keeps popping into my head now. I was looking at this, uh, there's this website called BlogTO, which is like a, a, a news sort of a thingy about uh, my city of Toronto. And they had they had some, like, article about yummy desserts in my neighborhood. And there was one that looked super, super yummy called a Nutella chimney. And the horrible person that I am, I jump straight to some kind of innuendo in my brain, and now I can't get this <laughs> <laughs> gonna tell a chimney out of my head. So this is the high note that I'd like to begin our podcast.
0: Dear <laughs> God, there are there are several uh, mental images just uh, of collapsing in my brain at this point.
1: I know, I feel so ashamed to friggin' start off my freaking technology podcast on such a note, but I have not been able to shake this term. Like... <laughs> the
0: Nutella chimney.
1: <laughs> that this, sound-
0: like... this sounds like something you'd search for on RedTube or something.
1: Perhaps. Or kind of, I don't know, it sounds like, uh, like a nickname for an old jazz singer or something like that.
0: <laughs> that that, w- that would be the kind one. Hey, Dad, let's get out Nutella chimney. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. Uh, also, I've got one. While we're on the sweets, um right. there's this uh, Danish company uh, called Haribo or Haibo or whatever. You may have heard of them. Nope. Uh, nope, you haven't. They do, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, all sorts.
1: Uh- <laughs> oh, I see what you did there.
0: That was a licorice. weird set. Yeah, licorice and uh, wine gums and all of this shit. And mm. apparently, apparently they put out these uh, wine gums. Uh, these sugar-free wine gums that are apparently as effective as any laxative you've ever taken. Oh. If you go on Amazon and you look up these wine gums, uh, every user review is about how much it made them shit their pants for nine hours straight. And for, and for some reason they've been, you know, they're out of stock on Amazon at this point. Um, but anyone anyone who's really interested in uh you know um you know clearing out their system as it may uh please go to find anyone who has Haribo sugar-free wine gums. Uh people refer to them as the devil bears. <laughs> uh
1: devil
0: there's bears. Yeah, there's there's a Vice article about some journalist from Vice who uh, who you know read these uh, user reviews and thought, yeah, yeah, you're full of shit, and then he went on and bought a pair of them and had a photographer standing by as he ate these fucking things, and and you know the photo series just makes you want to clench up like you've never clenched before. Wow, see that's journalism so,
1: right there. That's yeah, like...
0: that's that's Danish sweets for you. Well, that too. Yeah. Well. I guess so need we're a strong off- constitution. Yeah, we're off to a flying start. So. Yeah, aren't
1: we? Yeah. Okay, well why don't I why don't I reel in our our untempered enthusiasm uh, with uh, a correction from our very most dearest of friends Ben Chandler. Not, who uh, points out that I, I had mentioned in my in uh, our last episode about The Sims uh, when my wife was spouting out the shockingly long list of all the cool stuff that she's played lately, and one of those games was Medal of Honor Airborne, which I played a little bit again, well, more than a little bit again this week. I finished it this week for like the tenth time or something. That's a that's a fun little game, and. Uh, I called into question whether uh, a certain weapon could exist. It was like a you're, it was a way to attach a grenade to the end of a sniper rifle and to shoot the grenade with the sniper rifle. seems like a completely ridiculous thing to me, but uh our dearest of dear friends, Ben Chandler, has pointed out that there is such a thing as the m seven grenade launcher that it is in fact a real thing and that it does in fact allow you to launch grenades from a rifle which is pretty darn cool so i'm going to i'm going to put a picture of this delightful thing in our show notes just to
0: oh this delightful murder weapon yeah yeah let's do that by the way how do you how do you actually do that how do you sit down cuz i know how you know uh, uh, sniper's do this shit they lay down flat on their stomachs and they have this uh, scope and it goes all the way up their uh you know shoulders and they look through the scope and uh and there's a fucking rocket on top of it. How does this work? How 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 does how how do their backs not get charred to
1: shit? Well, this is not in fact a rocket-powered grenade. I believe it's propelled by the gunpowder in the gun. So, it's like a the, the grenade is about the size of a grenade that you would toss with your hand. Yeah, and but so still,
0: imagine the fucking recoil on this thing.
1: Oh, so this that's the other thing. In the game, you hold this thing uh like at, at eye level uh with your shoulder. Like you would an ordinary rifle, but in this uh, picture that I will put in the show notes, it shows uh, the soldiers like kneeling on the ground and resting the butt of the rifle on the ground and kind of launching it at maybe like a 70 degree angle or so. So it's like kicking back into the dirt as it shoots in an arc upward.
0: And then he breaks his knees or something.
1: Well, I mean, he's it. it the 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 pressure goes into the dirt and not into the dude. No, so it's not a very precise weapon. It seems, <laughs> but I'm sure it it fires well, the thing gr- pretty far.
0: Grenades usually aren't, unless you're using sticky bombs from Grand Theft Auto V or something.
1: Oh, I guess so. I guess so. Is that a game that you played, by the way?
0: It 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 is not. I have, however, been watching Let's Plays of uh, my new favorite YouTuber, and this is going to sound really, really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Stupid. Um... <laughs> Uh, my new favorite YouTuber is uh, one of the most popular YouTubers out there and I can't believe I never uh, found this guy before but his name is Jacksepticeye I think everyone knows who he is I've never heard of
1: this guy, what's his name?
0: never heard of this guy alright, he's kind of Hmm. Um. so uh, he's got like a million fucking followers and uh, he's he's one of those loud mouth uh, shouts at the screen kind of uh, guys but he's he's just got this endearing accents that i really really like and he's uh, he, you know he's played not just you know uh, uh shooters and uh, you know uh, uh stuff that you'd normally you know find on steam everyone everyone's playing it so i have to play it too he, he also goes out and finds these really obscure kind of uh, uh games which is uh kind of endearing um one, one of my fa- one of my favorite playlists of his right now is turbo dismount oh i love those games um yeah, that one is fucking awesome. And I have played uh, those
1: games since they were little experiments like from demo scenes.
0: Yeah, first... me t- Yeah, me too. Like, we, they great. Just, yeah, like these like little flash games. Like yeah. we we just we just tumbled this fucker down the stairs.
1: It's so funny. It's just endlessly entertaining and it's completely childish and there's really no point to it whatsoever except to like hurt this poor this poor crash test dummy dude in specific places <laughs> as badly as possible over and over. Yeah, exactly. It's just, just
0: just watch his limbs just go all red and then this point taker just goes up and says, yeah, he broke this and this much of his leg. And mm-hmm. just, yeah, I'm good with that.
1: Oh, my wife and I competed ferociously at this yeah.
0: game. So so anyway, there, there's actually a, 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 a game out called Turbo Dismount, um, which is... Uh, um, uh, well, I, I, how do you even describe this? It's, it's kind of like... It's, it's the 3D kind of... Uh, have you ever played the, that... Um, uh, what the fuck? I'm I'm turning into Chris right now. Um, the the fucking uh, uh racing game that's all about going around insane loops and then uh, you know uh, disappearing off into the sunset kind of thing.
1: Uh, uh, is it? Oh, come on. Oh, is it by the French company? Um, 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 um Nadio.
0: It's that thing with the, with a lot of DLC and a lot of user maps and uh, a lot of anyway the point is I know exactly is, what
1: you're talking about
0: all right yeah I can't think uh, of please uh, guys uh, 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 listening to this, please chime in and tell us what idiots we are um, this is basically the thing where you uh, build these fucking huge ramps and these Trackmania. Uh, cur- Trackmania, that's the fucking one. why do Sorry. I love this game I, I don't know because that that, usually, that that pisses the shit out of me anyway oh, me too. Me too. This is I, I this is it. this is basically track mania, like condensed into this four by four square, and you're just basically pushing this guy down a shopping trolley, or a fire truck, or a piece of skateboard. What's a piece of skateboard? Um, <laughs> and <laughs> like a you wheel? know. <laughs> Basically, and uh, it's it's just, it's it's just pushing him into oncoming traffic and just watching him explode all around the place and just have, having this this tally go up that just goes yeah yeah you've caused this and this amount of damage mm-hmm. aren't you a happy person um that's awesome and it's got a great DLC community which is um, which is really cool so I haven't
1: tried that is that like on the Steam Workshop there's a bunch of free downloadable scenarios you know, and stuff.
0: You know, honestly, I don't know because I've just been watching the Septigeye guy play it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh I, I wouldn't actually be interested in playing it myself. This is one of those games where I'd be happy to sit on the sidelines and just watch some other dude play it. And uh and he does a great job of it, I think. Um so um yeah. <laughs>
1: It's one of those games that you barely play anyway. I mean, you like put in some coordinates and a velocity or something and then you kind of press play and it plays itself. It's kind of like not, the incredible machine sort of. Well, Except, not not even opposite.
0: that. Yeah, not even that. The only thing it has going is one of those, you know, golf uh kind of, uh, kind of things where you uh how much how, how how much swing do you want to put into this? Those right. kind of, you know, twirly around, twirly back, twirly around, twirly back and you just pick how fast you want the fucker to go and then he just shoots off on his own right and then you then you just watch mayhem unfurl mm mm-hmm. um another game uh, uh we've been watching this dude play which i don't want to play myself but i find it incredibly entertaining to watch is uh, uh happy wheels
1: happy wheels i don't think i know this one
0: it's a browser game which is what it's it's one of those physics browser uh games where um you know, you know those type of games where you're uh, controlling this guy on a bicycle, and you can sort of uh, you know, tilt him back and forth, and he has to go over ledges, and you sort of have to tilt him back to make sure he lands correctly and such.
1: Yeah, sure, like Excite Bike.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now pick. Now picture that with tons of blood and gore. Ooh. And you know, like limbs falling off this dude? Okay. And, uh, you know, rockets and propellers and harpoons and all sorts of shit.
1: Sure. Sounds good. Just,
0: yeah, just, uh, just picture that and you'll be good. Also, you get to ride a lawnmower. Oh, nice. <laughs> over people.
1: So this is the sort of game you'd rather watch someone play than struggle through yourself?
0: Exactly, because this is this is way too advanced for me to control. Uh, my wife played it uh, a, a bit uh, while we were coming home from the festival. She'd, uh, you know, uh, while we were walking home from the festival, she'd, uh, you know, come home, sit in the uh, couch, and just, uh, you know, let her intoxication uh, shortly, you know, slowly wean out of her, mm-hmm. and she'd pick, she'd pick up her laptop and just play a bit of Happy Wheels and just. Uh, eventually, at some point, slap the fucking laptop across the room and just go, fuck this, I'm going to bed. Um, so that was, that's, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm not playing it. I'm very content at watching someone else play it.
1: Okay. Well, um, you ever watch anyone play games that you that you do enjoy, that you have played?
0: Yeah, actually, uh, sorry for the gulping noise, that was me finishing my beer. Um, actually, uh, when uh, when we were kids, my brother and I, um, he got Final Fantasy VII. Oh yeah! And I really, really wanted to see the end of Final Fantasy VII because I was really engrossed in the story. Hmm. This might, this might actually be preempting our uh, topic a bit, but I did. I, I don't have Final Fantasy on my list, so hey. Um, but I could not play the game. Uh, for many, many reasons. One, random encounters. Fuck random encounters.
1: Very frustrating. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and two, you know, stat juggling and running around and chocobo racing and all this bullshit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I basically just sat next to him for a full week and watched him play it. Hmm. And uh, it was a very rewarding experience. One, because I didn't actually have to play it. And two, because I could just sit there and, you know, engross myself in the story. Which is a very, very good story, by the way. Is it really? Yeah, Final Fantasy VII? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, by far the best. Okay, I'm just gonna backpedal here because I haven't actually played the other Final Fantasy games, so I can't can't say it's the best story. uh, But it's the best, uh, you know, JRPG story I've ever seen. How about that? Okay. Uh, You just reminded me of a game that I have to add to my list here. Oh, good stuff! This is actually a big one. I should really, really. I'm, I'm very, very excited to get into this. Yeah, me too. Although we can tease our our
1: audience by, I guess, saying that we will reveal our super secret topic at some point in the indeterminate future. We super just, secret. We'll just speak about it, you know, behind behind your back until then. Yeah, like for, in for like, like in vague, vague clandestine terms. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Please, please continue doing that noise because I'm going to. Oh, good. Hey, no need to no need to conceal such things. In this company. Your timing is way off, dude. Oh, pardon me. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Better late than never, I hope.
0: Sure, you're good. You're good.
1: Well, I asked you about, anyway, about uh, watching other people play games that you're interested in, because there is, I I haven't really watched too many people on YouTube, I like lazy game reviews, and I like uh, our good friend uh, Akago, he has a great channel, and he plays uh, a lot of, like, a good variety of uh, old games. Oh, he's Um, awesome. But I like watching. Uh, every now and then, I like watching some things on Twitch. Um, my wife and I together will often enjoy watching somebody like doing live speed runs of like Super Mario World or Super Mario World or Super Mario Brothers Three or something like that. It's incredible how good some people are at those games, finishing them like with zero mistakes and uh, oh. and like smacking themselves in the head with utter frustration when they when they lose like point seven. Uh, like uh, like seven tenths of a second on on some little stumble. It's really incredible. Oh fuck! Doing a live speed run, that must be so stressful. It, well, it's it is, it would be stressful. I think but these people seem to have done it so many times that if they make a sufficient mistake that takes up like more than two seconds or something, they just flip the reset switch and start <laughs> all over again. Even if they're ninety eight percent of the way through, <laughs> so they kind of spend like four hours doing this.
0: Do they have like this this little camera at the top of the screen like uh, the the top corner of the screen of them just you know clenching their teeth uh uh, uh you know uh, pats on their uh, wrists just well, uh, you know and uh, fucker
1: More often as a matter of fact they will have the camera pointed down at their like nin- original Nintendo gamepad so that you can oh. see what their fingers are doing and that they're legitimately playing the real oh, system cool. in in real time Oh
0: that is cool
1: Yeah it's cool it's like the it's like the Dark Olympics I love it. It's very engaging.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I used to watch a lot of uh, you know old uh, old game speedruns uh, uh, not live uh because, because one of the things about Twitch is I'm never fucking awake for these things. I'm you know right. I'm a completely different time zone. So every every time is streaming something interesting, I'm always heading off to bed or just getting up and going to work. Mm-hmm. So fuck that noise. Uh, but I used to watch a lot of uh, of speedruns and especially and this is going to sound controversial I guess. Um, But I dearly, dearly love tool-assisted speedruns. Oh, those are cool. I like those too. I really, really love just watching someone break the game to its knees. Like, uh, watching watching tool-assisted speedruns of Battletoads or Super Mario Bros. 3, just going, yeah, fuck you, game! I spent my entire childhood trying to beat you, you little piece of shit! (laughs) And just watching someone break that thing to its knees it's very satisfying
1: yeah yeah, yeah, it's super cool either watching them exploit little bugs or making some sort of a script or, or exploiting, like, save states or something to just, yeah. like, absolutely perfectly do these, like, superhuman reflex sort of moves that, that are inconceivable otherwise.
0: Oh, yeah, you just sit there going, I wish I could do that. I would show you so much. Apparently, my bitterness comes out uh, during podcasts. I don't know why.
1: <laughs> it's because it's our true selves when we're podcasting, right?
0: Yeah, that must All be right. it. Yeah, and, uh,
1: showmanship, whatever.
0: Either way, I was just gonna mention another YouTuber, because uh, you mentioned lazy Game reviews. Hi, mm-hmm. you're awesome. Oh, and uh and we should we should also point out Ikifu, who's a very, very awesome let's player of, no not not, not not Let's Player. Well he does that too, but he's a reviewer of um of adventure games, and he's very, very funny. And um my special shout out goes to a dude named David X Newton. Um the dude who did the, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, review of every version of Prince of Persia that ever was, period. Really? This yeah. This David X. Newton did this 30-minute video where he plays every single version of, uh, of Prince of Persia. Hmm. And, and he is phenomenally funny.
1: I haven't heard of this guy. This I'm definitely going to have to see. I'll stick this in the show notes, gladly.
0: Thank you, thank you. He 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 deserves a lot of praise because uh, not only does does he do that, uh, you know, he, those reviews are scripted, obviously. But when he does let's plays, uh, he did a let's play. He, he he does let's plays of these escape the rooms uh, kind yeah. of escape the rooms. Uh, fuck, what a I don't know what I'm saying. Escape the room uh, kind kind of games. Sure, where he just. Uh, He's just phenomenally funny. Whenever he, you know, comes across an obstacle, and he sits there and taking notes and uh, just goes, oh, that goes there, that goes there. And he's, and he's this very British, very funny kind of person. So please, everyone, check out David X. Newton. He's awesome.
1: I shall do so. Thank Two you. things come to mind now that we're on this topic, by the way. Number one is, uh, because we were talking about live speed runs. there's this uh, event, I think it's twice a year, called Awesome Games Done Quick. And they, oh. have an inc- they have an incredible um, repository of recorded stuff on YouTube. They've been doing this for, like, ten years or so. It's like they do live speedruns, run- speed which are subsequently recorded and uh, published. But uh, they, at the same time, collect money for Cancer Research and, I think, other uh, charities as well. They make, I think they made more than a million dollars of uh, donations last uh, the last one they did in the winter, which is awesome. So there's one oh, of these cool. events coming up on July 25th. I think they're for a week or so. So oh, basically, true. like, last time they did, like, they did all these great old DOS games, like, they did Doom and Blood, and they did, I can't remember anymore, they did a whole bunch of DOS games, which is really cool, because usually it's uh, very console-centric, so I'm glad that they're going into that kind of stuff. The guy who did the speed run of Blood was so amazing, exploiting all of these great, uh, like, you've heard of rocket jumping, perhaps, in oh, first-person shooters.
0: I may have slightly uh, been familiar with the concept, you know, peripherally.
1: Uh-huh. Okay, well, it's like, you know, you jump, you shoot the rocket Dude, around, I played you... a bunch of Deathmatch. There you go. Well, this guy was doing dynamite jumping, which is pretty sweet, because it's, a... oh, it's like your grenade shit. in your Yeah, so I mean... it was very... And it was like precision dynamite jumping, where he would, like, propel himself across this huge chasm and land on a little windowsill, which would exploit the map and have him skip, like, two-thirds oh, of it. It was really, really dude. sweet. So there are some unbelievably, like inhumanly talented, uh, speedrunners on awesome games done quick, also known as AGDQ. Oh, I think the dude. summer one is often known as summer games done quick.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That that's is so that is phenomenally awesome. That's um, a great one. One one of my favorites, you know, um, one of my favorite old timey uh, going to LAN parties kind of video uh, was uh, Quake done quick which I think mm. everyone's seen by this point, but there's there's this one or two points where the dude just grenade jumps mm-hmm. across chasms, and there's this one awesome, awesome scene where he grenade jumps out of a window around this, uh, you know, um, uh, a curvature in the architecture. I don't know how to describe it. It's it's basically like this round tower kind of thing. He He, he grenade jumps, not rocket jumps, grenade jumps out of the window around the building and through the other window <laughs> and just continues on like nothing fucking happened. Oh, beautiful. It's just, Oh my God, I want to be you.
1: <laughs> Surely these are life skills that will come into handy countless times.
0: Oh yes. I, I could, I could remain childless forever. If I could do that. <laughs> if yeah, same for if you do it in real life, I'm sure. <laughs> So So anyway...
1: The other thing I wanted to mention was a Japanese TV show called Game Center CX. Um, It is... I might have mentioned this on the show before, but this is a game... uh, Sorry, this is a show where it's a guy who plays old video games, usually Famicom and Super Famicom, and it's all in Japanese. It's a little hard to find subtitled ones, but uh, there are at least a couple of seasons that have been subtitled. Um, The premise is... The host is a guy named Arino. And he is the employee of the Game Center fictitious uh, company. And if he beats a video game in one episode, um, so he plays it on the original hardware, and he has like 12 hours or so to beat one of these like original Famicom or Super Famicom games. Um, He has to finish the game, and then he will get a promotion in his fictional company. (laughs) Otherwise, he is demoted if he cannot beat it. And uh, he sometimes gets help from his uh, like production assistants that are in the studio with him, who are all like experts at uh, a game. If he's stuck on one little part, maybe they'll help him get through it once or something like that, or, or advise him. Are they, they wearing like... lab coats? They might be, as a matter of fact. Sometimes they do. I think their I think their outfits and uh, a few things change from season to season.
0: Because you know, but- I'm, I'm I'm just picturing this dude in the basement, like with wires all around him, and and just these uh, three dudes in a lab coat with clipboards just standing around him, going, "Yeah, that's good." That's I good. think
1: they're usually in like an office building, like meeting room or something like that. Even that's better. Usually- yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's extremely, extremely funny. I think he was a comedian or something uh, before, or even still, while he does his TV show. They're up to, I think, almost 20 seasons or something now, which is Jesus. Like something. And at like, I don't know, 15 episodes a season or so, so he's beaten probably about 100 games or so. And he gets better and better over time, but he 's not that great at video games he 's like you can sort of see yourself making the same steps and missteps as this uh. guy as he gets through he 's a really funny guy and he 's just like a, a personable, likable everyday kind of a guy. so I highly recommend game center cX a really really funny, amusing show. He plays a lot of uh, games that were only available in Japan and are kind of like incomprehensible to anyone else, but a lot of the games he 'll do like mario he yeah, what what uh, brought it to mind was that he played. A Super Famicom version of Prince of Persia, which is so bloody hard. It's oh. like all of Prince of Persia one, and then, uh, uh, and then like however many levels were in Prince of Persia one, the same number of levels that have just been created for this version uh, anew, and they are so frigging difficult and unbelievably punishing.
0: But, if, uh, just to uh, uh, go back to my uh, stroking the ego and or penis of David X. Newton, when he plays the uh, different versions of Prince of Persia, he rates the uh, Super Nintendo version of Prince of Persia the highest. Really? It is actually, in his opinion, the best version of Prince of Persia.
1: See, to me, every version but the DOS version seems wrong, and I'm sure it was out for Macintosh before anything else, and it looks better on Macintosh.
0: And it was, and it was. The Macintosh version was the first.
1: But the DOS one looks like the most realistic, and that kind of got me yeah, into but it. But that's,
0: that's, that's the one everyone knows. Everyone knows the DOS version of uh, Prince of Persia. But it's got... Sure. It's, and, and also, it's the benchmark uh, of which all other versions of Prince of Persia uh, are measured. And the mm-hmm. thing about the Super Nintendo version, apparently, is that it controls as good as the PC version but it also throws you these curveballs. So you can't just play the PC version and then go on to the uh, uh, SNES version and just go, yeah, I'm just going to breeze through this. Fuck you. No, you're nuts. Mm -hmm. Uh, So thats it's got that going for it. I always played Prince of Persia with the
1: keyboard. And so I think it must have been... Can you play it with anything else? Well, you have to if you're going to play the Super Nintendo one. So Whoa, that was one. Okay. That was okay. kind of one like feeling of disparity for me, where I just could not kind of equate the motions, and I couldn't be as precise with a gamepad as I could with a keyboard. Somehow, that, like a keyboard, just, you know when you're clicking, and a gamepad isn't quite as as binary somehow. I'm, I'm
0: just, I'm just envisioning some some asshole trying to play Prince of Persia on the PC with a mouse or something, <laughs> or, or the, something, or with a fucking trackball.
1: <laughs> oh, that's sad.
0: Oh, sorry. Please continue.
1: Uh, I don't know if I had any more to say than that. Yes, you did. Did I?
0: Yeah, I don't What was I saying?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I played it on the Nintendo Entertainment System, like the precursor to the Super Nintendo. I think that's the version I played it on. And it was ugly, and it was like... I don't remember it that well. I think I rented it from a video store once or something, but I seem to remember it being kind of disproportionate, and everybody was, like, a little bit too squat or a little bit too tall or something. It just seemed like everything was sort of squished in one direction, and that kind of threw me off as well. Oh,
0: yeah. And And it wasn't quite the same. And I think
1: they had music, which seems wrong to me, too, because it sort of takes away from the solitude feeling that you get from the DOS one.
0: Exactly. Now, now uh, uh preempting our topic, the solitude of the prince inside, uh, you know, uh, walking around the dungeon and then going up to, in, into the castle and such, and everything is just in fucking silence. It's just you and the sound of blades hitting each other and you falling on spikes and stuff. That's actually um, the strength of that game. You don't need background music for that. Yeah,
1: it's important to it, I would say.
0: I would agree. Uh, the Super Nintendo does, apparently, uh, as far as I know, uh, have background music, but eh, mm-hmm. fuck.
1: Eh. So that's, that's that's that. Yeah. So we we had touched on it. We had touched on it previously, and if you're up for it, it's it's been how long has it been since it came out? I would love to discuss uh, Tesla Effect.
0: Ah, you. Because
1: you and I have been diametrically are, opposed to, are, in our opinions to this Yeah, moment.
0: but aren't are we supposed to do the whole thing about, you know, uh, reader comments and uh, uh, what have we been playing lately and all this oh, shit? Oh, I guess
1: so. You want to do that first? Let's do that first.
0: Let's just do it quick.
1: Okay. Well, we do have a letter, in fact, from uh, Ben Chandler. So hello again, Ben. Thank you so much for contributing both your both your creativity and your finger wagging corrections to us. I all love in week. you, Ben. We love you, Ben. Help us, Ben. You're our only hope. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben says in response to our last episode. Hey, squares, big smiley, happy face. I really enjoyed episode twenty-two. I've sunk many hours into The Sims one, two, and three, enjoying the clean graphics, great music, and open-ended, progressive gameplay they offer.
0: Oh, you sad person.
1: (laughs) I like him, too. Give me a break. Sometimes (laughs) I would leave the speed at normal and just watch my sims reading books or swimming in the pool while relaxing and enjoying the great tunes. It's like a screensaver you can sit back and admire and then jump in and play with when you feel like. Or a Lego kit you assemble and then sit back and watch the little characters move about. Yeah, that is a good analogy.
0: What happened to the long-haired Australian dude who used to play Doom at every opportunity? He's just watching people reclining in their... Fucking lawn chairs.
1: Well, I guess another analogy he could have made is Johnny Castaway. Yeah. Maybe maybe that would bring you on board a little bit.
0: Yeah, okay. There
1: we go. (laughs) I, I loved hearing about some of the funny stuff you did in the podcast. I laughed out loud about things like the maze house and asylum especially. I also have fond memories of going on vacation in The Sims 2 and trying to find the secret characters. It almost felt like an adventure game you had to solve. It's these little quirky things that make the series so great for me, whether those built in by the game's designers or those we create ourselves. They make the experience the most human and personal to me, and therefore the most enjoyable. Whether you meditate until you can levitate, and from there teleport, sell Granny's Tombstone to afford a pizza, or give your Sims nothing but a wooden bench to sleep on and a patch of grass to pee themselves on, then Sims watch as is they...
0: fucking dark! Sorry, sorry <laughs> Yes,
1: Then watch as they fail to hold down a job. The Sims is really as fun as you make it yourself. It's like a digital toy that you create your own stories in, and that's why I've sunk so many hours into it. Thanks for the podcast and for inspiring me to reinstall The Sims 3. Again, goddammit. Ben Chandler. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you, Ben. So so good to hear from you, as always. I love Um, that. I I, I actually liked hearing uh, Ben talk about kind of creating your own stories, because that's an optimistic... Uh, that's an optimistic viewpoint on the exact same sort of a thing that I read. Uh, I read um, a book called "Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs" by Oh No Cl- Clusterman. I can't remember his name now. Nice title, like
0: though.
1: A, it is a good title. It's like a it's like a a, a culture book, I suppose, like a book about modern culture. Um, and the author says that. He, in his experience playing The Sims, it had the exact opposite effect for him, where he felt like he was constrained by the parameters available to you in the game, and that restrains your ability to really be creative. It sort of plays out. You put in a minimum amount of input, and it plays out according to however it's programmed to do so, and that's kind of the antithesis to creativity, and he felt like it was sucking the creativity out of him.
0: Oh, but it's 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 the illusion of creativity. You are, uh, as you are in life, uh, set within a set amount of parameters, and you have to act in accordance with these set of parameters. But if those parameters are so numerous, then it, it kind of gives you the illusion of free will. Uh, let's not get into the philosophical debate here, uh, but... Uh, because I hate I fucking hate Donnie Darko. Uh, but um, uh, if you have as many uh, set parameters of um, possibilities that you can execute, then that gives you the illusion of free will. So sure. So in that way, The Sims become this almost but not quite uh, simulation of real world. Obviously, all the people in The Sims are fucking i want to say the r word but that's not what i you know (laughs) but they are they're just fucking idiots
1: well they're simple
0: yeah that's what they are they're simple can i tell you just briefly the story of me and my friend when we were in our 19s or 20s trying to play the sims one for the first time and that's when i decided the sims is not for me please do We got this. I think we pirated it. I'm pretty sure we did, actually. Um, We installed it. We sat around my house. We were drinking soda, by the way, because this is before we used to drink. And um, our uh, initial idea was to just, you know, play along with the game's rules, you know, build them a house, build them a garden, build them, you know, uh, rooms for them to sit in. And at some point... We just decided to fuck with them. We just decided to, uh, you know, build a a dining table with four toilet seats around it and, uh, you know, build a moat around the uh, 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 house so they couldn't get out. And uh, our favorite pastime was to build them a, a, a pool so they could jump into it and then take the diving board away so they couldn't get out.
1: I assure you, you are the very first people in history to ever do such a thing.
0: I don't think we are anyway, no. anyway, that lasted about I don't know an hour, maybe less, and then we just decided the sims is not really for us, sure.
1: The I was turned off by the first Sims game. I mentioned in the last episode that I anticipated it so, so intently. It sounded uh, like utterly fascinating and deep and entertaining to me in the previews that I had read in magazines, and then I tried it out and it seemed totally shallow and uninteresting to, uh, to me. I somehow, after totally falling flat with it on the first one, somehow tried the second one and I really fell in love with it. And I've loved everyone since. It's frightening, the utter height of the stacks of game boxes that we own, of The Sims and its expansions. So I think Sims 3, if you stack it end-to-end, it's like, it's, it's like up to my chest or so from the floor.
0: I was going to say floor to ceiling, but...
1: yeah, It's pretty terrifying. We might be able to do floor to ceiling, honestly, Sims 2 and 3 put together.
0: I was going to say you guys are DLC horse, but that's not even DLC. That's just going down to a store and saying, "Please, can I have some more crack?"
1: I know. Well, half of the Sims, half of the Sims expansions are real expansions, and the other half are just "quote unquote" stuff packs that just add more uh, models and objects and clothing and stuff Gods to the games. Oh, I don't here. give two shits about the clothing and the hairstyles and stuff like that. But the interactive stuff, like the gameplay stuff, is the stuff that I still enjoy. you.
0: Got to be fucking kidding me. All right. Um, uh, brief, brief um, um, interjection. Um, there was this golf game that I dearly wish I'd looked up before we started playing, uh, started playing this podcast, um, right. which I can't remember, but it was this online uh, golf game, which was kind of, you know, Japanese uh, kind of thing, uh, where uh, not only was it a great golf game, Uh, And I say not only because now something positive has to follow. Now, uh, what you did was between golf games, you ran around this hub and you went into shops and you collected different pieces of clothing, uh, new golf shoes, new clubs, by the way, which you could actually use. Mm. Um, And it was uh, uh, two of my friends went absolutely apeshit with this thing. They you know created their own website they created their own characters they were all female characters by the way which made it all the more interesting and um and 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 this was just and the worst thing about this was that i played it for you know because because they kind of just shoved me into it and just dude you gotta play this and we'll be best friends and we'll you know trade shit and stuff and i played it and it was really really good it was like a really really good golf game uh so so i can understand the um you know <laughs> the uh, the uh, uh you know combined sense of i'm enjoying this why the fuck am i playing this kind of sensation okay sure
1: well, a game like that, and I guess with The Sims 2, I guess what keeps it engaging is this feeling of continuity, where you're winning something, and then that contributes to your permanent statistics, and then you're earning these little tokens that show your progression, with like your clothing or whatever, that yeah, not but just it was, anybody has.
0: But no one cared about the fucking clothes, it was just about <laughs> let's just play some fucking golf. I like good, a good golf game. Me too. I really do. Me too. And I hate bad golf games, by the way. I know. Overcomplicated fucking golf games. I Fucking hate them.
1: I never. Oh, this reminds me. Since we're on the topic of whatever the hell we've been talking about all this time, have we? <laughs> have you, Do we have I a topic know. yet? <laughs> that's 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 what I'm getting at. Have you ever played Sim Golf by Maxis? No, no I, haven't I haven't either. And I've heard such cool things about it. Apparently, this was the very first game. I think it, it had two firsts. Number one, it had like an in-game. Uh, course editor where you could make your own golf courses and it was like a 3D rendered thing as opposed to like the 2D ones that preceded it, like Lynx 386 and all of that. But uh, the other um, innovation that it introduced was the mouse swing where you actually drag your mouse backwards and then thrust it forwards in order to do your swing instead of clicking a bunch of bars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, listeners, if you've ever played Sim Golf, we'd love to hear about it. But th- this is one that has always sounded really fascinating to me, and I just never got around to giving it a try.
0: You know what? Um, the only golf game I've been really, really good at, and I mean really fantastically good, I should pat myself on the back and then give myself a blowjob for this, really, really good at was Wii Golf. And, oh, I was crappy at that, and, but it was fun to play. And let me be fair... This is a shitty game, but I'm fantastic at it, and I it wasn't would... a bad game at all. I thought, I thought it was a very good game. <laughs> no, but it's it's you know it's it's got this this motion control bullshit. But if you somehow have the you know jerk off hand to correctly position your wrist in the correct fashion, uh, this is uh, you know you can, you can sort of cheat the fucking thing. This yeah. is this is a this is a fantastic game to piss off your friends and just you know sit back in your apartment at 4 a.m. Everyone's left because they're off in a huff, and just mm-hmm. feel really good about yourself and finish off the rest of their beers. Mm-hmm. Fantastic game.
1: Oh sure, Wii Sports in general. That was a great, great game. That was yeah. like the best game that ever came out on Wii. I'm sure.
0: Which is weird because it came packaged with at least the European version, and also first uh, two. Except for Wii Boxing, which you'd go fuck itself.
1: My wife murdered me in that game. Now, my my wife, I don't remember how far she made it, but she was many, many belts into Taekwondo training from her youth. She demolished me at Wii Boxing every single time. Oh. And it's not like this is a, a advanced combat simulator or something. This is the kind of game that you could probably, like, you could probably, like, tape it to your dog and then and then, like... Kick your dog's butt and have it run around the house and yeah, probably exactly. Beat somebody. But exactly, she would destroy me every single time at this thing, and it was wow. very humbling.
0: Your 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 wife was just lucky. This is this is the epileptic equivalent of button mashing.
1: Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It is. It
0: is. It is. It is just. It is just you flailing your arms wildly. Well, just that's going. how it
1: was for me, and my wife was using some kind of uh, precision. She was, like, blocking and, like, turning her her fists as she thrusted a punch out and stuff, and it seemed to work well for her. Well, so she, maybe... is, she is
0: perhaps the only person I've ever heard of who's actually played Wii Boxing in an effective manner. The rest of us was just flailing our arms, right, just strapping the Wiimote to our dick, and just going helicopter and just, no.
1: Maybe that's what I should have tried, helicopter, <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs>
0: Anyway.
1: Anyway. Oh, man. See, now we we got rid of our only television, so we have a whole bunch of old consoles, including the Wii, and I can't play any of them now unless I wanted to emulate them. But thinking about Wii Sports reminds me of this. I loved Wii Bowling. That was my favorite
0: one. Oh, fuck. I loved that. It was that. great. And but, it reminds but...
1: me of this one bonus game where you had, like, 200 pins on one bowling alley, in this like triangle shape, and you would throw the ball, and you would get to watch 200 pins fall over if you got this like super uber strike. That was oh, just the most satisfying thing.
0: God, I love the training mode. You're, you're talking about the training mode. First of all, okay. uh, sitting on a couch and trying to Wii bowl, that's kind of a contortionist affair. Uh, okay. But it can be done, because the Wii mode actually doesn't care which way you're pointing the Wii mode. You just have mm. to sort of flick it back and just go whoop. And then it goes uh, hmm. second of all that training mode did you realize there's a, a secret Easter egg in that?
1: I don't think so what is it
0: um, at the end uh, once you reach I don't know how is is it like ten uh, uh, you know laps I was gonna say uh, it, like because uh, uh, you start out with like uh, five pins and then it goes up to whatever pins and then oh, at, right yeah yeah it, it's like like ten ten or twelve levels let's call them levels okay at the last level just uh flick the bowling ball uh along the uh you know the edge just make the ball roll down the edge of uh, the thing just okay, miss the gutter. miss yeah n- not even the gutter cuz there's no gutter it's just this oh, yeah. you know this little wall thing if you if it reaches if it just rolls around the uh the edge and all the way down to the uh um, you know to the end without hitting any pins it this huge explosion will occur and all the pins will just fall off. I never saw that, man. That's cool. That is awesome. And when my wife and I discovered that, I think we might have cheated. We might have looked at it online. But when we saw that happen, we were just like gobsmacked, which we is like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. We're going to beat this game every time.
1: Right. Oh, that's too cool. What a great game that was! Great <laughs> uh, game.
0: So anyway, can can we take a a quick pee break and then I'll be back?
1: Let's pee. Let's pee. Let, let's all pee. Do you have to pee? No, I don't. No, okay, but I do. I'll play it back when I do have to.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: awesome. Okay, feel I'll... free to participate at home, kids. <laughs>
0: I'll be back in two seconds. Thank you, man. Great.
1: Hi. Sorry about that. Howdy. Quite all right.
0: Ah uh, yes, return of the Scandinavian bladder. <laughs> well actually just my bladder uh, <laughs> i have a notoriously uh, a small bladder actually frederick olsen my compatriot and hetero life mate um <laughs> has the strongest bladder i've ever seen oh yeah well actually i haven't seen his bladder but i yeah i, I kind of hope not I, I imagine it's quite strong because uh um uh, last year we were visited by one of our one of our heroes actually uh, uh, Mr. Ken Allen, who's the uh, uh, composer for uh, um, uh, Space Quest One VGA and Space Quest Four, he did a sure. bunch. He did a bunch of other soundtracks for uh, uh, different Sierra games, and he's yeah, doing legendary sound- composer. He's legendary. He, he he's doing the soundtrack for Space Venture right now, and he actually came to Denmark and visited me in Roskilde. And, wow. Uh, yeah, and 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 together with Fred, we uh, we went to Copenhagen. To uh, <laughs> it was it was like a quest, really. It was like let's go see the Little Mermaid. Okay, where the fuck are we going? Because Fred's from Jutland, which is like the mainland, and uh, uh, the Little Mermaid is in Copenhagen on one of the islands, like the farthest away you can get from Jutland. Uh, so he came over on train and uh I'd been uh, up till five am with Ken drinking whiskey uh the previous night, so we were just we were just walking around with you know three GPSs on our smartphones going, "Where the fuck are we going and uh, Fred apparently had to piss all the way from Jutland to Copenhagen, which is the three hour bus ride and Ooh. And all the way from Copenhagen Station to The Little Mermaid, which is another an hour and 45-minute walk. Wow. All the way up to the point where we saw a public toilet next to The Little Mermaid and were very abrasively told by an attendant that we couldn't use this restroom because fuck you. Oh. And so Fred... (laughs) At this point, with four hours of urine in his system, <laughs> had to walk around Copenhagen cross-legged, uh, trying to look for a bush to piss in, and there wasn't one. Um, so I've, I've never seen someone clench his teeth and be so polite at the same time. What
1: a man. What? He's, like, he's like the Frodo Baggins of peeing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on
1: his, <That> he <laughs> on is. his big quest. Quest for the pisser. Awesome person.
0: We sh- we should do it. A- we should do a whole fucking adventure game about Fred having to take a piss. That would be a good one. With a little timer well, taken down on the top.
1: Our good friend Ben Chandler has a game called Piss,
0: as a matter of fact. Have you played that game? I haven't. Actually, I've been meaning to uh, play all of his freeware games. Oh,
1: and me th- too. And, me then, too. And,
0: and then write up a blog post about each of them. But uh, now that I've discovered XSplit which is this, uh, you know, mm-hmm. re- uh, record your game and then put yourself in a little stupid window at the top and such. I'm thinking I might actually just do, you know, like YouTube Let's Plays of his games.
1: Oh, that's a great idea. Although XSplit, that that software needs like a, a, a degree in like rocket engineering or something to use, at least, at least if you have the same IQ I do, because I could not figure that piece of shit out. It was very complicated.
0: Apparently I'm stupider than you, because uh, I thought it was very intuitive. Um, well, yeah, you are stupider than me then. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stupid I'm, like a fox. I must be because the only thing I did was point it to a, d- a directory of my hard drive and just go, yeah, that's my webcam. Yeah, that's my microphone. And uh, let's go, people. Hmm. And the only thing I had to do was uh, I- uh, go down to the music store yesterday, actually, and buy a, uh, a Y splitter cable for my uh, uh, sound card. <laughs> I'm recording this on advanced audio children oh congrats yeah I've, long <laughs> last i've i've got a bucket with a pillow in it propping up a mic with a pop filter on it uh, jammed into a m audio card from 2004 yeah top of the line bitches totally. um anyway um uh because uh uh because of this, you know, advanced audio system, uh, it would only record in the left ear because there are two XLR cables coming into it. And it thought, oh, well, since there are two, that must mean we're doing stereo. is said, no, no, it's just coming out the left ear. I only have one microphone. Would you stop being an idiot? So I had Do to go. Your
1: microphone has two XLR cables? Uh, No, my sound card does. Oh, it has two two XLR inputs. Yeah, one on the left, okay. one on the right. Gotcha.
0: Like any girlfriend you've ever had. Oh, my God, I did not... Oh, nice. Oh, God, no. No, I'm so. Uh, your wife is not in the room, is she? No, she's not. Do you want me to call her? <laughs> oh, yes, please. <laughs> oh, yes.
1: <laughs> no. She she She's foul-mouthed enough to make you blush. Don't worry about it. I'd love it. I'd love to meet her at some point. Oh, likewise. Let's, let's trade wives for a while. That's the only <laughs> thing to do,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> you do realize I'm naked, right? Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> Oh, anyway. All right, this is getting very uncomfortable very yes. quickly. Yes, I am. I am. I'm, I've I've got goosebumps. So <laughs> anyway, you were saying. Oh, was I saying? I I think you uh, someone bring us on. Uh, I don't. Know. Yeah, are you talking about are you, a thing. Are you, are you done with the uh, uh, corrections and viewer things and such? Oh,
1: that I am. That I am. That you are. We. Why don't we talk about what we played this past x amount of time? Yes, please. All right, uh, you guest person, why don't you go first?
0: Me, guest person. You, um, I've actually been playing a lot because I've been on vacation for two weeks now. Oh,
1: right on. Me too. For what? I'm in my second week of vacation now.
0: Oh, cool. Uh, I'm Yay. I'm on my third week of vacation and I'm kind of getting the malaise, if you know what I mean. Beautiful. Um, uh but uh, and and also the past week I was at a music festival so I wasn't really in any capacity to play games if you also know what I mean
1: oh did sure did you, did you see uh any good acts at your festival by the way
0: oh um see now when you say good acts <laughs>
1: That's, Anyone I would recognize to that, start
0: with? No, it's kind of a subjective term. Uh, good act. Uh, oh, but, okay.
1: What I mean to say is the talent that was hired to uh, entertain the crowds.
0: Oh, right. Um, no, I did see. I did see one band that someone might recognize, uh, but not really because they're Norwegian. But uh, the last night I was there, I watched uh, uh, Enslaved, which is a Norwegian black metal band. Uh, okay. Who were who were quite uh, you know uh, festive for a black metal band. <laughs> <laughs> no cor- all the
1: people i've the people I've known who are into black metal are like bubbly nice people
0: they are and 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 this band in particular were not uh you know uh coaxed paint uh, trying to look mean trying to be uh, you know uh uh we're raiding in blood uh, we're so we're so evil booha um mm-hmm. they they weren't like that at all they were actually kind of like a proc slash black metal kind of thing. Okay. So they were, they actually had you know, like banter between uh, uh, songs and such. And That's nice. Yeah. So they were they were quite nice. However, they do earn a minus points in my book because at one point they discovered what file music sharing was and mm-hmm. and their response to that was to go and uh, kidnap the um I don't know what it's called uh but the Norwegian minister of whatever is in charge of file sharing uh Okay. uh like the economic minister or something, they because uh, he he happened to be a sheep farmer, so they went and kidnapped one of his sheep. Beca- oh, because they felt like if someone stole their music, they should be allowed to steal his sheep. Fuck you, people! No, no. that is just that is just misunderstanding things at its core level, dudes. It kind of is. It kind of is it's...
1: if you remove the sheep, there is no identical sheep in its place.
0: that is exact Oh, you oh i I could hug you for that, but I won't <laughs> because I'm naked and sweaty. oh, hug the sheep, I will hug the sheep. where <laughs> hug the sheep, I think
1: we can call that the Ben Chandler maneuver by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he' was a sheep herder
0: in a in a previous life I know i love I love Ben Chandler's sweets ten by the way, That's, oh man, that is so, <laughs> that is so awesome.
1: Oh, that song makes my wife swoon. I'm gonna, <laughs> we're hoping to have Mister Gonzalez back soon, perhaps even next week. So I will have to be sure to let him know how very much uh, my wife poo enjoys that uh, particular little Waltzing Matilda rendition. Oh,
0: please! Uh, he, apparently, he did he did play um, the the sweet uh, sweet ten uh, music on a podcast. I, was it? It was you... on this podcast.
1: Not only was it on this podcast, yes. But after I was done recording, I called my wife over. Uh, and just said, here, put on this headset. She's like, well, why? I don't want to talk to people. I said, put the damn thing on. So she put it on, and uh, uh, swarthy, swarthy guitar pants, Mr. Ch- Mister uh, Gonzalez himself, played uh, the song just for her, and she was <laughs> very touched and very, very smiley.
0: Oh, that is beautiful, 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 Mr. Grundoslav yeah. Games. I applaud you. I applaud for you. Sure.
1: That's a class act.
0: Yeah. And I also applaud uh, Ben Chanto's hair.
1: Oh yes. You'll be applauding for
0: a while. Which is fabulous. I There's cannot I, I cannot imagine having long hair and living on the face of the fucking sun. Yeah, really. Jesus, what 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 is your, what does your neck look like? Does it look like one of those boils they get in total recall? What the fuck?
1: <laughs> Open your mind,
0: Mr. Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, the anyway. Uh, the uh, the things I've been playing. <laughs> uh, so I I haven't been playing much last week, but uh, the uh, week before I had the entire week off, so I decided to play a lot of things, and uh, um, uh, one of those was the uh, uh, first. Uh, I was gonna say Ben Chandler mystery, That's not what it is. It was, uh, Blackwell, Blackwell. That's the one.
1: Oh, a fine choice. Yeah.
0: Uh, Have
1: you played those before, or was that your first exposure that was, to them?
0: That was my first experience, and I've only played the first one so far. And I've got to say, I reached for a walkthrough on a number of times.
1: I think I did, too.
0: Because um, that... And, and it also... Because, uh, you know, in retrospect, it's okay. Uh, it was shorter than I expected it to be. I didn't expect it to be that short, but in retrospect... I'm cool with that because, you know, it's the first game. It's the first one that Dave Gilbert did. Um, They're going to move ahead and beyond and above and be awesome. And uh, the first first one's kind of a testing ground. I'm cool with that. Um, The puzzle design is kind of all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's uh, actually, you know, to be brutally, brutally honest, I hope Dave Gilbert's not listening to this, but it was not an enjoyable experience. Really? No, it wasn't. Uh but I've been told to stick with it and I've got the other Blackwell games uh in my G- uh, GOG library and uh I am going to play them. I might actually play them on my uh, uh coming let's play kind of thing uh because I uh, you know, I want to see what all the fuss is about. You know, you know the one thing that really bothers me about the uh you know, the setup for Blackwell? What's that? It's the whole uh, ghost whisperer kind of move into the light kind of thing. Right, okay, that pisses me off. That pisses me yeah. off to no end.
1: Oh, you're, there's no shortage of that particular uh, trope. Yeah, and uh, and I
0: really, or rea- I really have to get past that because it's it's gonna it's gonna uh, you know destroy my enjoyment of of the series if I don't get past that. So I really have to uh, you know bite my teeth and just uh, you know explore the characters. Um, oh, just just go limp
1: and think of England, as they say. <laughs> just kind of, just kind of go with it. It's it's uh, I don't know. In terms of supernatural stuff, that's kind of the least that you're going to have to accept, story wise. But uh, that's it's not really that big of a deal.
0: I know. You'll I know. see. You'll it's, it's, see. It is so
1: well worth going through the whole series. It really is.
0: And I really am. It's just a personal thing. I mean, I was uh, I was playing Gemini Rue, and uh, the uh, I, I got I think about halfway through it. And the only way that the only thing that pissed me off about Gemini Rue was the fucking shooting. What the? I what the fuck is not that firing that. What the fuck is yeah. this Mean Streets? What what are we doing? I've heard that there
1: is combat what in the, this adventure game. The hell! And I was really no, no. I was enjoying the story. What the fuck are you doing? Well, is it something that the protagonist would do? Is it out of place? Often, he does it often. But uh, is it something he would do?
0: Yeah, is it, is yeah, it indicative
1: yeah. of his character.
0: Yeah, but at 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 some point, and I'm not spoiling shit. Uh, you know, the narrative jumps from uh, main character to main character. Um, at some point, you're this dude trying to escape from this asylum thing, and uh, the voice in the uh, loudspeakers just go, "And now it's time for your combat training." And I'm just sitting there going, just, "No, no." Don't do this to me. Duck behind the screen. Press, press X to duck behind the screen. No! Fuck you! I'm getting out! It's a peculiar thing to have in an AGS game, isn't it? It is. And I'm not, uh, you know, because Techno Babylon was fucking awesome. Wasn't that a good one? That was excellent. I fucking love Techno Babylon. That was I like pretty, that a lot. I, I really I, like I, the puzzles in that one. I spent I spent uh, uh, because that's another game I played by the way just to get back on topic. Um, I spent I spent uh, two nights uh, playing through uh, Techno Babylon and I was just awestruck all the way through. It did it did have uh, that kind of peculiar escape the room kind of uh, aesthetic to because you know I realized this this was a an episodic game that they turned into a full length game. So of course it started
1: off as an escape the room. Kind of experiment, didn't it? Yeah, its first iteration.
0: I, I don't know. Um, I the, believe so. The only reason I picked it up was because it looked fucking, up, and people said it had something to do with beneath the steel sky. So of course I picked it up. Hmm. Uh, but m- most of the scenes in the game are kind of these escape the room kind of scenes. Um, you're giving a very limited uh, amount of places you can go, and there are very limited amount of things you can do. Uh, but the overall story is so worth it. I thought so. So Yeah,
1: I totally agree. And I, I quite enjoyed some of the puzzles. I hadn't thought of it as uh, it being, like, uh, predominantly escape the room. I guess I could see it that way, where you sort of have some primary puzzles that you have to solve in order to proceed to the next location and probably never go back to where you just came from. No, you, ha- uh, you, have, you, have, a,
0: you have a maximum of uh, three to four screens to explore at the most in that game. And, right. uh, and uh, the dude, uh, you know, technocrat is going to punch me in the face for saying this uh, because uh, there might be a section where you have five screens to play, but still, you are very, very limited in the world you can explore. But given that, and given the uh, um, uh, given the episodic nature of the game itself, um, it is it is so rewarding. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And,
1: yeah, yeah. and I didn't mind that. I like I don't mind it when they restrict you to a few rooms I at do. a time. I, I don't do. like when you get overwhelmed by all these places you can go and you're wondering was I supposed to lift the trash can and take like a gum wrapper from 14 screens over and bring that over here? Was that supposed to uh, be some cohesive experience? I always feel overwhelmed if there's too many places that I can go.
0: Yeah, you you've, you've got a point. I mean, the uh, the worst anti example of that is Mobius by Jane Jensen. Where, uh, you're, you're st- <laughs> where you're stuck in, in, in some consonants and just go, oh, I might need a coax true for this, so I'm going to fly all the way back to New York to pick up a bottle of wine, and then uh-huh. I'm going to pick a coke true off the bottle of wine and then fly all the way back to wherever the fuck to pick this uh, thing up that I need. Um, I think the last
1: straw for me in that game was exactly that. It was... Uh, needing to get a newspaper out of a newspaper box. And the newspaper box is right next to your store that you own. Um, And you need a quarter to get the newspaper from the newspaper box. But there's no quarters or money in your store. You have to, like, I don't know if you take the subway or ride a taxi, back to your apartment, halfway, or all the way across town. It's, like, literally on the other side of the map get, like, a coin from a jar of coins in your bedroom, and then take the, the taxi all the way back to the newspaper box. <laughs> and meanwhile, inside your office is a computer at a desk that you say you don't ever use because you you are so used to using your smartphone, which is in your pocket. So why the hell do you need to go all the way across town to get money to open a newspaper box to read the news on paper when you're so tech-savvy that you don't even use a computer anymore because you have this portable internet connection device in your pocket. What a shit game. Yeah, I mean, uh, What uh, a huge disappointment that was. It would have been a shit game if it was made by nobody, but it was made by the most somebody of somebodies. Yeah, And I don't know how that happened.
0: And, and, I, and I never actually finished it because I did get kind of engrossed in the story, but I was just like, no, nah, no, nah, this game is starting to piss me off. And I will say the same thing about Gabriel Knight Reloaded or... <laughs> Couldn't finish that either. Sorry everyone. I know it's twentieth anniversary or whatever the fuck you wanna call it. It's fucking Gabriel Knight reloaded. Let's get over it. Uh the whole thing about uh the mask in the uh, uh voodoo store used to cost a hundred dollars. Now it costs a hundred and ten dollars. So you go, Okay, I've got a hundred dollars. I'm just gonna go back to my store and just casually lift uh, you know, ten dollars out of my uh out of my cash register and he just not only refuses, he doesn't actually refuse. He just goes, well, it's cash in my register. I know! Pick the fucking thing up!
1: Was there actually cash in his register? The there original, is! I believe it was barren. No,
0: it is. All- there and is, And that
1: was one of the puzzles. All he has is like a coupon that he has to trade for uh, service later on because oh, he has no
0: cash. Yeah, Otherwise he exactly. Would have given that. That's all you have to do. And, and that's all the cash register does. What you have to do, spoiler alert is go to the graveyard and have a rat kick over a vase with $10 in it.
1: Come
0: unbelievable. on. Unbelievable. I didn't even
1: make it that far. I almost made it that far. Jeez. But I gave up before that, believe it or not, because it was just... There are a lot of games, there are a lot of bad games that where the story is just good enough that I will put up with a bad na- game just to see the end of the story, or I'll get to a walkthrough. But both of these most recent Jane Jensen games, I have not had the heart to even finish, because I thought the games were so bad. And that really breaks my heart, because I love Gabriel Knight 1 and 2. And I really liked... What was the other one that she did recently, where you are a magician?
0: Oh, uh, uh Grey Matter.
1: Grey Matter. I really like that game. It wasn't perfect, but it was more than good enough for me to want to play all the way through to the end. I really liked it a lot.
0: Kind of got stuck on that one as well, but I did not give it the chance that it needed, and I have to go back to and and do it again. I might actually do a Let's Play of it. Ah, there we go. Oh. And, I, and I will pause the video every time I have to look up a fucking walkthrough because I'm an idiot.
1: Yeah, that's the Let's Play way, isn't it? Yeah. They, they magically know every answer to every <laughs> no, scenario.
0: I, no, uh, no, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put in a fucking counter. It just goes uh, amount of times looked up a walkthrough. Ding, ding, ding.
1: That's a good idea, actually.
0: <laughs> that was one of my ideas.
1: I'm that's, good. I'm, I'm, I'm good
0: with ideas. So you are. No, I'm not. Anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, so that's that's basically what I've been playing: uh, Technop Babylon um, and all the other ones. And Blackwell. And 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 the first Blackwell, and uh, of course Gone Home. But we're gonna get into that oh we sure are and her story thank you thank you very much for the gift
1: oh man what, dear, a, what a pleasure I'm dear, glad that you enjoyed sir. that that's I, on my list as well
0: I did but we're gonna have a very lively discussion about that one if we get to it I hope so
1: because boy is that great
0: spoiler well, free those are, discussion but... that's
1: a bunch of fine games that you've got occupying your last couple of weeks good uh, man
0: I'm, I'm, I'm trying at least I got the free time
1: yeah oh vacation I recommend it people. If you're <laughs> yeah. vacation, spend it.
0: Yes, please. And spend, spend it the stuff. Spend the playing games, please.
1: Yeah, please.
0: So anyway, anyway, uh dear sir, dear sir, please tell me what you have been playing.
1: Okay, well, since I've been on vacation, I've been I've been spending uh, a good amount of time on my posterior and uh and playing many a game. Although I've been I've been up and about and doing all kinds of stuff. My wife and I went to Niagara on the Lake, which is a little town uh, around the corner from Niagara Falls in uh, Ontario. bare chested? Uh, we uh, we were not bare chested.
0: No, I'm I'm just you know you not
1: necessarily her. Oh um uh yes. Cool. Carry sure? on sir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, we we did, like, a tour of some vineyards, and we went to some awesome restaurants. I got to try Ethiopian food for the first time, which Bear was chested? so, so good. Huh? Bear-chested? No, no, I didn't do that one bear-chested, although I kind of wish I did, because it was
0: pretty spicy, and I could have used the uh, extra ventilation, I suppose. Oh, but, what uh, I would have done that. I am yeah. going to shut up with that, because it's not a running joke. It's not even funny.
1: <laughs> it's becoming one. <laughs> anyway... Uh, that took us away from video game land. We were lamenting not having brought our laptop so that we could do, which it, it was. It has been our custom whenever we go to a little bed and breakfast on a road trip to bring along a shitty old laptop. I have this like old Pentium ninety laptop, an old one of my dad's from work <laughs> with Windows ninety. No, I think it's yes, yeah, Windows ninety five on it, or maybe Windows three point one. Oh, I don't shit. remember which. It has. It's an old guy, and the only thing that is. At all enjoyable to play on that old clunker is Jones in the Fast Lane. Yes. So we'll like we'll just like sit in our bed in this bed and breakfast. It'll be this like little grandmotherly doily laden, <laughs> old timey <laughs> bedroom full of like uh, uh, inspirational Jesus quote quilted <laughs> hangings and stuff like that. We'll just sit there and play Jones in the Fast Lane. So we didn't do that this time. So that's too bad. We, we I'll have to
0: make that up to her. Injection. Um. Well, I I, I mean injecture, not injection. Uh, <laughs> injection <laughs> um, uh, my wife and I when we uh, started going to university and we had just moved in together I had my uh, computer set up in the corner and the first game I showed her was Jones in the Fast Lane, and she actually took to it so I have this vivid and very very pleasant memory of us for about four months uh, coming home from university um, you know, maybe have been to the Friday bar, maybe not. Maybe kind of tipsy, maybe not. But just coming home and playing Jones in the Fast Lane. Mm-hmm. I love perfect. I, that is the perf- perfect couples game. Yeah, exactly. Perfect couples game. Perfect date game.
1: Mm-hmm. And good like gateway drug of a game too, I suppose, because it's so similar to a board game. Yeah, and it does all the all all the the banker stuff for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's something I should mention as a matter of fact, that on our, we kind of what we like to do when we go on a road trip is we try to plan one big activity. That big activity for us was doing a, a, a vineyard tourism thing where we went to a bunch of Ontario wineries and did wine tasting and stuff like that. I, okay. I don't know anything about wine, and now I know like three things about wine, so job mission accomplished I guess. Job well done.
0: I'm, I'm, um, I'm getting kind of a Paul Giamatti sideways kind of vibe about this. <laughs> a what? Uh, Paul, have you ever seen the movie Sideways with Paul Giamatti?
1: No, I have not.
0: You should do- uh, totally go check that out because that's basically Paul Giamatti tasting a lot of wine and whining about his girlfriend.
1: Oh, and, well, I didn't have to do any whining because we had a phenomenal time.
0: Uh, but I might be underselling it because it actually is a very, very fine movie.
1: Oh, well, then you are underselling it because that sounds annoying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it is Paul fucking Giamatti. I mean, it was the Doctor in Ripper. In Ripper. Oh. What really? Yeah, Paul Giamatti was in River. Huh? Did you not know that? Well, that's, yeah, no. That's huh. a that's an interesting context. Because that's really fucking weird, isn't it?
1: That is weird. Neat. Anyway, well, what I what I'm guessing good. they did not do in this in this movie is uh, take the scenic route home, and amongst a whole bunch of other unscheduled stopovers and scenic lookouts and stuff like that, we stopped in the city of Hamilton, Ontario, and went to a board game cafe. No, we played a whole bunch of board games. <laughs> I love this concept. We uh we have some of these in Toronto as well, but we've been to board game cafes in a few cities now. So basically you pay 5 bucks at the door. They have like they have like 10 humongous shelves full of all kinds of board games and you stay as long as you want and they make uh coffee. I don't think they had alcohol at this place, but they make coffees and they have snacks and treats and some light food and stuff and uh, you just kind of play board games together. It was a really good time. It's not something we usually do.
0: Do they not like, serve alcohol because they're afraid you're going to rage-flip the table?
1: Perhaps. That could very well be it. That, and I'm sure the the whole requiring additional licensing for, for your business and stuff like that. Because I
0: could totally do that with Monopoly. I mean, fuck that game. Oh,
1: yeah, sure. They're, a lot of those games are pretty rage-inducing. Yeah. Well, I had something almost as good as alcohol, which was a cherry vanilla... Ice cream float with a shot of espresso in it. That was pretty dope. <laughs> that was good stuff. I thought that, that I thought like, we were
0: gonna say LSD and Knights of the Old Republic, but it's a close <laughs> second. Close second. A close second indeed.
1: It was. It was. Yeah. Um, it, it almost made me see the same range of colors in that combination.
0: <laughs> that's just looking at the beverage itself. That's, that was a good time. Looking at it bubbling away. I mean, that, that's right. That's by the way my favorite line of uh, Discworld 2. When you buy a beer from the uh, bartender, and he goes, Hey, there's, uh, there's things floating around in it. One of them is waving at me. <laughs> That's cute. So anyway.
1: I haven't played that one.
0: No, and you shouldn't. It's terrible. No, I
1: didn't, I didn't like the first one. I didn't get far into The first
0: that. one is even worse than the uh, second one. Oh. So the second one you might actually enjoy, but keep a walkthrough handy.
1: I think I'll just keep none of them handy. Oh,
0: just... No, no. Actually, if if you like Eric Idle, and I think, I I think most people on the planet do, <laughs> um, it's actually worth playing through the game just to hear his voice because hmm. he's really, really good at it. And also the first one... Uh, I, have, I haven't actually beat the first one, but the second one, he's actually a really, really good voice actor.
1: Is that uh, Rincewind or something is his name?
0: He plays Rincewind. What?
1: There you go. Huh. I didn't know that. Well, that's kind of neat.
0: So us we'll see whether
1: it's worthwhile. Yeah. As, as we know from Gabriel Knight, I suppose, you can get the best of actors and they won't necessarily no. turn into the best no. of voice actors. No, Co- uh,
0: uh, complete Discworld 1 and 2 with a walkthrough because it's not worth playing through without one because you will get stuck and you will get frustrated. It's one of those moon logic games.
1: Oh, sure. Well, I'm, I may or may not get around to it, Honestly, yeah. there's, enough, there's enough good games I haven't yeah. played, like You're... Beneath a Steel Sky I haven't finished still. No! I really have to. I know. I, I, I'm on vacation, the this hurts. should be one of my projects. This will be one of my projects. It hate, it burns. Alright, so at the Board Game Cafe we played, we played, we, p- we picked up a bunch of boxes, started reading, reading the instructions, got scared and put them back on the shelf <laughs> more often than actually playing around of a game successfully. However, the ones that we did play successfully were... We played one that was about, like, owning uh, an agricultural uh, uh, enterprise, and you have two currencies, money and cows. (laughs) And so you have to amass, amass a number of cows... And the depending on the number of cows you have, those become like a multiplier for positive or negative experiences that might happen based on your dice rolls and the square that you land on. So, like, it might be pay $100 for every head of cattle that you have because, for the vet.
0: I just, or... I just like the idea. Positive bovine.
1: Positive bovine. That's an
0: awesome sentence.
1: Sure, it is. That sounds like another another jazz album. <laughs> our, dad, our dads must own. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Right. Anyway, right next to uh, right next to Nutella chimney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that that game was fun. Oh, and it had this infamous card where you have to like roll two dice times a hundred dollars to pay the veterinarian to artificially inseminate your cows. That was charming
0: too. Always a, always a kid's favorite
1: yeah I know so it was a cute game anyway my wife kicked my butt we got bored of it about three quarters of the way through the game and kind of arbitrarily decided that we would sell our cows for a certain amount of money and then count that against how much money we had and the uh, the winner was determined by who had the most money and also so, she
0: ended up artificially inseminating you so it's kind of a weird coffee shop experience
1: that's how it works isn't it yeah it that, is that's I that's, that's, that's failed biology and but then you found
0: yourself on the planet Mars in a zoo <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's not quite the board game. So play. anyway,
0: please send me your holiday snaps because that sounds fucking amazing.
1: Oh yeah, so I'm I I forgot to populate my my list of what I played this week, but I am looking at my holiday snaps. Um I can't really think of any other board games that we played that were really significantly interesting. Oh, we played some like 1960s Blind Date game.
0: Oh god. Which is
1: like for like teenage girl slumber parties oh, or something. Oh god. That one is actually imp-
0: in Gone Home. Have you found that? It's actually Is it? it? Yeah, it's actually in I can't remember. It's been a while. You can actually pick up that board game and just go, "What the hell is this?"
1: Well, we picked it up in real life. So the the objective of this game is to collect the matching pieces of clothing so that you can impress your date. And not be rejected by your hunky man date.
0: Fuck me with a stick.
1: I know it's kind of dated. So I won. Well, what's important is that I won the game, and I uh, <laughs> so I you got the, the dude. Boat. I got to. I got to go out with the dreamboat dude. He was a hunk. Yeah, he was on a. He was on like a BMX bicycle, and he had a bouquet of flowers in one hand and a bicycle helmet in the other hand. Oh right. So he was like the bad boy. So was
0: was he, was he gentle, or did he just stuff the bouquet down your throat and just you know? Oh had the, had uh, his way with you i I guess he, the, he rode April me train. all
1: afternoon and kept changing my gears, oh the fucker, yeah, I hate guys it's... like that, I know, I know, don't you just Piece of shit. So Sorry, was anyway. that all the board games that were worth mentioning? We played another one called Battle of the Sexes. We got we had a good time with sexist hell were you antiquated doing? games. This was just a trivia game where you're supposed to play with an equal number of members of the opposite sex, and you easy. ask each other questions supposedly intended for the opposite sex. And so my my wife got all the my wife kicked my ass at this. She's a better man than I am apparently. She she got questions about like computers and Star Trek and uh I, she she got all the all, all these questions about shit that she loves that's supposed to be like dude stuff but she did, the, the whole reason i'm with her is because she's into all this cool stuff mm-hmm. so that was that was real unfair i had to answer questions about uh makeup and different kinds of uh, uh clothing with bows on it she and it was there cooking. to
0: destroy you
1: pretty much the only ones that she didn't get were Acronyms that had to do with automobiles and stuff like that, which I didn't know either. Oh, that's I did, horrible! I did know some uh, some perfume brands and some cooking terms, and that was a, that was about it. She she whomped me. Does she gloat? the Does she
0: gloat? Oh yeah! Oh. Of course she does. Oh fuck! Of
1: course she does. So I had to I had to take my trouncing and then hear all about it all the way home.
0: Oh good uh, uh mm. one board game uh that my wife will absolutely kick my ass in and everyone else in the room by the way and by the way, my wife is a very very short blonde haired curly kind of sweet looking blue uh, blue eyed uh, kind of pale uh, girl uh she looks like the most innocent girl ever, but she will kill you at cards against humanity her oh i've never played that her imagination is beyond evil oh. She will She will do all those... And I can't think of an, uh, an example right now. I'm sorry. You will have to experience this on your own. Please, please, if you are in the vicinity, please invite us to your game of Cards Against Humanity. I will just sit back and watch you get wiped off. Because she, she is... Fun. Wiped off? Yeah, wiped off the face of the earth or uh, oh. uh, floor or whatever. Uh, there you go. My second language. How are you doing? Hi. Um, so better than my Danish. <laughs> How's your Danish, by the way? Uh,
1: uh, it isn't. Ah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> sorry,
0: no wait. Yeah, she, I, she's I, phenomenal at that.
1: I, I read this scathing article about Cards Against Humanity, just saying that it's not even a game. Its whole premise is that you're saying things that you're not supposed to say, and that it's naughty, and that it like sets back humanity in all actuality because you you go ahead and say these things and you laugh about them and there's things that no one would ever say because they're like borderline racist or offensive oh, or whatever. Give
0: me a break! If anything, it actually progresses humanity because it forces you to deal with your innermost uh, uh, weirdness. If you if you piece two things together, that says more about your personality than it does about everyone else. It's like it's it's like the movie that we watched with uh, with my wife uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, Horns with Daniel Radcliffe of all people, um, which was I'm actually a Little Harry. Yeah, with Little Harry. Who, uh, who who grows horns, and then when he walks around, people are suddenly compelled to confess their innermost diabolical secrets to him, and uh, the, the whole movie is just like this is why we don't tell everyone what we actually think, mm-hmm. and it's just you know. Why are we so concerned about uh, people exploring their innermost secrets? This is the only way we're gonna progress as a society if we start tearing down taboos. Jesus
1: That's a fair rebuttal. So that's a that's a good argument. So what else have you been playing? Alright, what else have I been playing? We Oh, the very first thing we did on my vacation last week was really boring. We like went to a bank and talked to a financial planner about retirement and investments and stuff. I'm excited. Or, our meager scrimpings, I know. So that, that was a really awful way to start off a vacation by getting out of the way some bullcrap that, that you have to do when you're an old person. Um but across the across the road from the financial planner place was a place called Dave and Busters, which is like a huge alcohol fueled arc uh coin op arcade game place for grown ups. Do you pay with alcohol? Do you pay with alcohol? Yeah. Oh, oh! Because you, you said, said alcohol not, like, fueled.
0: Like, I, I'm just imagining, like, like the opening ah. of the thing, where just goes cheating bitch and just pours in a glass of whiskey and goes coin up.
1: Oh, so it is not, in fact, the machines that are alcohol fueled, much, much like Bender from Futurama. It is, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Uh, we the patrons who become alcohol fueled and oh. thereby surrender more of our our money to these machines which in fact take money and not alcohol i guess like vicariously they're alcohol fueled but through like the medium of like some gullible yokel like me who has a wallet
0: <laughs> still that not was
1: getting a little existential uh, perhaps still nice idea though it's a nice idea and that being said the 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 number of little kids there outnumbered us like 50 to 1 However, because maybe it has something to do with the fact that we were there on like a Monday afternoon in the in the summer when most grown ups are doing something worthwhile with their time and not playing video games. Like stretching so and anyway, doing bonsai. Yes. Yeah. Grown up stuff, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Talking so, about the relationships. Anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're scaring me now. Ah. So uh there were a whole bunch of really, really cool arcade games. Uh at this place, we played new ones. We played old ones. Uh, a lot of the ones that we had talked about on a previous show, where we had Joe Mastrione with us and talking about Star Wars games, Woo! Uh, there were some for Canada. great Star Wars. Sorry, yeah, hey Canada. So there were some great Star Wars games at this place. Um, one of them, in particular, that we went out of our way to talk about a bunch was Star Star Wars Racer, which is like in the Episode One time frame that nobody likes to any degree whatsoever the 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 video games outweigh the the value of the actual uh source material that they're based on. I but this one particular game is so awesome. I was so happy to see this because I barely remembered playing this maybe 10 years prior. Um and they had two side by side, so I got to play this uh against my wife. Um this is the sort of uh racing game as we mentioned on the podcast where you like sit in this big moving kind of chair thing. It looks like a like a spaceshipy speeder bikey sort of a a uh, 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 seat, and you lean forward, and in both of your hands is a throttle that you can slide up or down, and it has like literal tank controls where you have to push both forward to go forward, or you push one, you pull one back and push one uh, forward to
0: turn, so it's, it, or it, pull it, them it, both back to slow down. Yeah, it's kind of like rowing a boat, actually.
1: Like rowing a boat, or like, well, it, you don't actually like you don't pull it repeatedly well, to row a boat. You like push no. both throttles forward yeah. and you hold them forward. I know, but if, if
0: you push one forward and the other one back, you're gonna turn right.
1: Okay, sure, fair enough. So it's it's that yeah, sort of I'm a thing, correct? Or it's like riding a horse, sort of, as well. You might say, I don't know, maybe not really. Do, anyway, do you,
0: do you like beat a horse in just one side and it makes him go left? Or
1: uh, I'll have to try. We'll we'll do that after the podcast. Okay, right. We'll compare notes. I'll see you next time. Feedback. All right. On I'm this episode
0: of Horse Wrangling, 101... O- <laughs> it's right,
1: Square Horse FM. Or horse uh,
0: beating one hundred one.
1: <laughs> so we played Star-, Star Wars Racer. That was fun. I kicked my wife's butt. We played. We played a couple of racing games. We played one where you have to drive around these big rigs, and it's a racing game. And the steering wheel is like this humongous city bus size steering wheel it must be like i don't know 22 inches in diameter or something This huge huge steering wheel it's really hilarious to use and the chassis kind of shakes around and there's force feedback on the thing and there's a huge button in the middle of the st- of the steering wheel for a horn and it does this gigantic like 18 wheel or when it's really, really loud, when you honk the horn, there was this like silly Japanese racing game. It was great.
0: I was thinking you were gonna say it was the panic button and just flip, and it just goes, you know, catapults you out of the seats and into the crowd. What's the just difference like, between a, a, a
1: What's the difference between an automobile's horn and the panic button? Uh, if there's a difference, I don't.
0: know. Uh, one just sounds the horn. The other one catapults you the fuck out of your seat.
1: Oh, that! Well, it's the button you press while panicking, or the, while trying the to James, incite panic. Please
0: don't touch the James Bond button. <laughs> oh,
1: right, that's right. Do not, do not poke red button.
0: Do not poke red button. Please do not touch this button again. Thank you, no, it, thank it, you, we,
1: Hitchhikers' Guides. Round of applause. Right, right. Well, I, I, uh, the this, the vehicle itself was big enough that you can kind of plow through any traffic jams, and uh, you have like a. a you're hauling a, some kind of a cargo behind you, too. It was a great uh, antithesis to Euro Truck Simulator, which we can't shut up about on this podcast, <laughs> where you just kind of smash your way through everything. And in fact, you're racing against a rival. I like that there's like a premise, like a story to this arcade game. You're racing against a rival, and whoever delivers their package first is like the Trucker Supremo. Ding. Ding. Oh, so sorry, that sorry. Was... So that was very good. That was a, that was a fun one. Um... What else? I'll just mention one more, I guess, which is another Star Wars game. And this was neat. It was called the Star Wars Battle Pod. Um, It was like being in, like, a one-person little IMAX cockpit, I guess is the best way to put it. It's like a... it's taller than I am, this whole sit-down thing, and it's, you open a door and you sit inside it and you close the door behind you. It's kind of like being in like the front of a 747, sort of. Jeez. There's like a throttle on your left hand and a joystick on your right hand, and the screen in front of you is this HD screen, like a movie, uh, uh, a movie screen, sort of, and it's wrapped in, uh, uh, in an arc around you, like on the inside of a sphere, sort of. Yeah. Um, and it's a flight simulator game, so, so, it's, so it's pretty much it's, on it's, rails. It's, it's
0: it's kind of like the miniature version of the IMAX thing, where it's just this wraparound screen. Yeah, kind of.
1: It really kind of was, and it was similar to the original Star Wars arcade game, where you're in a, a spaceship and zapping bad guys, and you have just uh, a, a little bit of control over uh, where you're pointing. The the play, the the ship mostly flies itself but it's basically a rail shooter with just a little bit of extra interactivity but it was really flashy and like overwhelmingly stimulating and (laughs) uh there were speakers all over the place and the way that the screen wraps around in front of you you can actually like look to the side of you and look above you and see where their enemies are it was very 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 cool i think it cost almost two dollars a play for like a three or four minute play but I felt like it was money well spent because that was a really cool machine. I have
0: no idea how much that is, but it sounds awful. (laughs) Yeah, it's relatively expensive. And the reason it sounds awful is because uh, my brother and I, uh, when we went to arcades in uh, in Denmark, they had, which I think Chris has mentioned uh, on previous podcasts, they had Area 51 which was, uh, you know, a rail shooter and they had these two big fucking guns uh, as controllers and it cost a bunch of shit and it was basically just digitized actors and then you roll around this pre-rendered 3D background and it was just uh, shit after shit after shit and it had the gall to announce to players right when they started it, in fact, with this huge-ass screen that said... Music by Aerosmith, and you just want—oh, that was a different
1: one. Just... That was a different game. No, was that? No, was that Area Fifty One? I don't know. if... There was one. Oh, I—I'm I gonna look it up. Aerosmith. There was like an Aerosmith branded shooting game.
0: Yeah, I saw. I thought that was Area Fifty One. Uh, I'm
1: pre- I don't think so. Area, Aerosmith arcade game. I'm looking this up now. Okay, it's called Revolution X. Oh, rev. Oh, fuck me. And it has, like, an Uzi sort of a thing mounted on the cabinet itself. You pull the trigger and you shoot CDs at guys. It's so stupid. It
0: was the same fucking... uh, 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 It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it was exactly the same thing with digitized actors, with digitized everything, and this pre-rendered background that zoomed all around and then people would pop Mm. out from behind boxes. And when you started it, it would say, Music by Aerosmith. And every time it said that, my brother and I would just shoot the fucking screen. Uh Uh-huh. Not an Aerosmith fan? Not really. Me neither. I don't like them.
1: No. I think they're like one-trick ponies.
0: Yeah. They're like uh, uh, like um, uh, um, <laughs> uh, Mick Jagger wannabes.
1: Yeah, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I think so.
0: So, anyway.
1: Oh, well, let's just say that's what I played this week. I played, I played a bunch of other stuff as well. One or two of the games uh, are on my list, uh, so we can get to that. Um, we're, we're like an hour and a half in. Do you want to have it out for Tesla Effect, or shall we save that for some other time?
0: Would you like, uh, to, uh, just pause for a second, let me grab a beer, and then I'll be right back. Yes, sir. I'm not actually going to pee, Scott Murphy, are you listening? Um. No, you're doing the opposite. What?
1: You're, you're alcohol fueling.
0: Yes, uh, but no, he has, uh, correctly, um. Surmised that I have a bladder the size of my, you know, cat's testicles.
1: Oh, that's very precise.
0: Which have been castrated.
1: Oh, uh, so you like have them in a jar
0: nearby yeah. for reference? That's okay. Because I have my cat's testicles in a jar. That's exactly what's <laughs> happening. Good stuff. I will be back in less than twenty seconds. You do that? No, please give me thirty because that's unrealistic. Yes, sir oh yes oh yes I return that's good what are you drinking Um, I am drinking the uh, um, Danish national uh, beer which is tuborg yeah uh, that is that's good stuff the tuborg uh, it's quite close to the uh, uh, Dutch um, Heineken mm. which yes it which is which also tastes like piss mixed with water but I like Heineken well, I like soup pork. And I also like well, how you go. So apparently, right I like the taste of piss. Apparently. Um, are you also going to cut this out of the broadcast? Or should no, we just... this one gets to stay. That no. one gets to stay. Cool. How are you doing, sirs? Yeah. Or madams? Or anyone else yeah. who likes the taste of piss? Please give me your numbers. I will get in touch with you. we are in confidence. You're going to cut that Good. one out, right? Okay, sure. No. 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 No, oh. oh, it stays in. Uh, uh, me and uh, you know my hetero life mate uh, Fred, we do this uh, no censorship, no editing rule, and um, it's been a challenge at some points, <laughs> but we have to adhere to it. And um, that's right; it's all for the best. It is, and uh, it's more of a challenge to actually
1: put forth the effort to to turn your your words into something coherent by you I mean like anyone not not you in particular now
0: with with uh, two people whose uh, second language is english trying to sit there and bitch about uh you know um, uh, people who do this for a living and people whose lives uh, you know kind of depend on it and people who right, people right. who are actually good at this shit for two people whose second language is english to sit around and bitch at people uh, who do this for a living that's kind of um you know, you can see why we drink
1: <laughs> Well, I am very much of the opinion that if if you have taken it upon yourself to make some artistic creation and to release it to the world, then you are subjecting yourself to whatever criticism you may elicit if you you, you cannot publish and not be criticized. That's my strong feeling.: I
0: agree wholeheartedly
1: that's right. Sorry sorry Jane Jensen. Yeah, uh, know I, know, I know I know depending on the funds for your for your adventure games but and uh, fuck I've
0: make, I've I've had I've had games. personal uh, you know conversations with Jane Jensen. She's a very very lovely person and I've had uh, personal conversations with Lorelei Shannon who designed Phantasmagoria uh, too a universally reviled adventure game. Uh, except, except for by Anatoly and me. But why? Why the, it is terrible? And I love it is
1: terrible. But it's B movie terrible. It's, it's like well, it can't be terrible. Well,
0: it's it can't be terrible if you're on drugs.
1: Like I said, it can't be terrible.
0: But okay, okay, sure. But she is she is a fantastically lovely woman, and she and she has this uh, secret Facebook group called uh, Loreline Shannon's. Uh, uh, what is it? Dirty fact of the week, or something? Some, some, some weird shit oh. that she finds online, like like that, uh, like that thing, and uh, like that thing. Augustine uh, posted on Twitter that thing that just latches onto your uh, wrist and it just sh- uh, spews tentacles out. Uh, across your wrist and over your hands you can't see it but i'm actually doing it right now for some reason um sure and just it's 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 like this glob of mucus that just sticks to your wrist and just goes and then uh all these tentacles shoot out and latch onto your wrist and your hand
1: yeah i hate when that happens yeah yeah
0: fun (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know a day of the zoo yes yeah, the Zeno Zoo. <laughs> the Zeno Zoo. <laughs> I'd love, I'd love to go with that and just shove my unborn child into it. No, wait, that was evil. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was evil. Good job. I'm sorry, everyone, but I, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to recover from that.
1: No. Well then, why don't we why don't we uh, keep it moving along then and uh, talk about on such a sensitive note uh, as we are entering it? We can talk about games that have affected us emotionally yes. in some way, yes. because we're a couple of like sensitive, endearing guys, right?
0: As uh, you know, our previous escapades would endeavor to elude. Illustri- I can't even talk anymore.
1: Sure, that's how sensitive we. Yeah.
0: Are. Exactly. I'm choking up right now. There's no words to
1: describe our sensitivity. That's right. So, uh, I thought I would start off this conversation with uh, a a now infamous scene from a game that that my wife played and I played a little bit of. This is perhaps the only Call of Duty game that I thought was so stupid that I couldn't finish it. The other one's... Some of them have been amazingly good. Some of them have been kind of middling. Some of them have been bad, but I'll play them because I paid for them. And this one was so stupid that I just didn't give two shits to finish it. So this is Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, which. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Beginning... Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Sh- 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 oh. Should we qualify what we mean by emotional? Because okay, well, we kind of have like. Oh, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Me, I'm sorry. Let me finish,
1: and then this is, I believe, will be a good uh, introduction to that very topic. Thank you. So, Thank you. In this, uh, in this uh, scene, you are attending the funeral of one of your fallen compatriots, whereby you step up to his uh, flag-wrapped coffin and are given the on-screen inst- uh, instruction, press A to pay respects. Oh, God. Yeah, that's... so that's, that's how you get, that's the emotional, uh, emotionally evocative action in the Call of Duty series. That
0: is shallow to the point of shallow.
1: Isn't that great? Oh. That's how you honor your soldiers in a in uh modern troubadour fashion, right? Now
0: press X to fall, to drop pants. Pretty well. Pretty well.
1: So, that being said, why don't we talk about the different ways that uh, a game can elicit an emotional response? I believe well, you you go ahead and answer it first. I mean, I believe I believe you were thinking mostly of like a story kind of resonating with you and making you feel something.
0: I was kind of thinking of um Um, the way that um, you know when you watch a movie or you read a book you get an emotional attachment to characters and stories and settings and such and people (laughs) I say people always this is kind of a generalization but they do have this they do have this tendency to regard computer games as this sort of uh, you know children's toys kind of thing it's like uh, yeah. A computer game can't evoke an emotional response because it's just a children's toy. You're just sitting there with a controller punching buttons. Um, and this is not true. And
1: No, that's the stigma that we kind of have to battle. That is the stigma we have to...
0: Aficionados of this. Yeah. And also, we have to battle the stigma of calling it an actual game. Because what does a game imply? It implies that there's a winner and there's a loser and there are certain rules and such. But playing a computer game... Uh, uh, necessarily has to fall under those rules because that's the sort of stigma we've, uh, you know, dug ourselves into with computer entertainment. We should rather call it entertainment, really. Uh,
1: Yeah, it's a fair question. I think this question might have come up in this podcast before, but it's true enough that this is like a new enough medium, the fact that the audience participates actively in the telling and direction of the story. And, like, game is kind of the closest word that we have for it and that's sort of the the background to the media, yeah, exactly, is, is, is how it started. You'd score points. It would be you versus the other players, or you versus yourself, or you versus the non-player electronic characters. But yeah, exactly, isn't the, necessarily a game. A,
0: a, a game is like a competitive element. You are you're you're, you're sort of competing against other people, or you're trying to accomplish some sort of goal at the expense of other people. But you're not um, uh, reading a book or watching a movie or watching cave drawings or whatever. Is not a game it's not it's 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 just uh, you know participating or reading a story and this is this is the fundamental difference that i want to get into um playing a game obviously it's fun everyone loves games um i do too i love playing tetris mm-hmm. i love uh, you know playing super mario i have no problem with games at all but what i want to talk about are uh games slash experiences slash entertainment pieces, whatever the fuck you want to call them mm-hmm. that actually had some sort of emotional value to them that actually uh you know elicited some sort of emotional response when I was playing them. And um this is uh you know, because we're gonna get out a big box of tissues and you know strip naked, loop each other up and just have a big old bro hug at the end of this. Uh but but there are actually games that I uh, you know uh, I felt um, you know you know choked up about and uh, you know you, you can get the same uh, from again watching a movie or reading a book uh, but you would never tell your parents oh right I played this game it kind of choked me up this is like and and they just look at you like what.
1: Well, they won't understand. I know. I mean, there's the Got nuts. It's it's nothing for a, like it's it's nothing for the public to agree that a book or a movie can make you feel that way. No. But for some reason, it's hard for us to sufficiently explain or for people to kind of understand that you being the person that facilitates or like that that makes this uh, hard decision is all that much more impactful and kind of puts you there and ma- gives you this additional exactly attachment.
0: exactly because in a narrative session. Uh, sense, sorry, my vocabulary again, in a narrative sense, when you're reading a book or watching a movie, you're a passive observer to whatever narrative unfolds. And if you're playing a game, you're an active participant in whatever happens. So you can actually choose whether someone lives or dies or what actually unfolds in the story. And this provides a much more emotional response to the player than just passively watching a movie. I mean, you can, can, of course, you can be emotionally invested in a movie. You can can put yourself in the position of the main character and, uh, you know, uh, uh, picture yourself as he walks through the struggles uh, of the uh, uh, story or narrative, but you're not actually participating. And this is the strength of interactive fiction, um, not the interactive fiction you 're thinking about, just interactive fiction in general yeah that 's a term I like to use out of context as well, yeah. uh, or interactive entertainment or whatever this is the strength sure. this is the strength of it. Not only does it put you actively in the position of the protagonist, it also uh, provides you with uh, you know certain measures of branching plot narratives it it provides you with uh, the ability to put yourself directly in the shoes. Of someone, be it an action adventure, be it an adventure game, be it an RPG, be it whatever the fuck, you're there. You're actually the person you're controlling instead of just watching this unfold on screen.
1: Right, you are. And that's you. That's often, and maybe in the in the uh, maybe that's usually the way that it goes. There are some games that are completely linear, where yeah. you provoking the story to continue. I've how have I put this in the past? I called it like putting a like like putting a puzzle coin into the nickelodeon. Yeah. I think is the way yeah. that I put it. It's like it, the the story doesn't progress until you've done this little perfunctory minimum of interactivity in order okay. to progress it yeah, forward. Exactly. But uh even so
0: um, there are there are a, games that suck at this. Let let let's not be let's not behind, my Oh sure, there are
1: it's a brand new medium. It's a brand new medium that we're figuring out how to do still. There's a lot of crappy examples of this. In fact,
0: most of them. Let's be fair. Most of them suck at this.
1: Yeah, I suppose so. But uh, that's why we're podcasting about this topic today, isn't it? We're going to shine a light on the positive examples where this has been done effectively.
0: You can okay so. okay. The point of this podcast. As far, oh, do tell. as far as I'm concerned is to yes. exemplify that computer games or computer entertainments or whatever you want to call it, computer experiences can elicit the same if not more of the emotional response that uh, movies or books or any other literary medium you can think of can elicit there you are
1: Yes. there you are it's to prove to our mummies and daddies that we are valid there
0: you go there you go. Despite
1: what they tell us. Go outside why? and
0: play. I don't want to. I am experiencing
1: <laughs> Yes. There you go. So that being said, I have a list of like fourteen or fifteen games here. Um We're not gonna go through many- all of those. No, we're not going to go through all those, but that's okay. Many of these have to. Many of these are on my list because of the way that the story made me feel, and several of these are on my list because of the way the gameplay made me feel because of some triumph of skill or perseverance. All right. Let's focus at least for now on the ones uh, having to do with story.
0: All right. I have about uh, ten or twelve right now, and I have about three that I really want to talk about.
1: Oh, good stuff. Well, would you like to kick it off, then, now that I've uh, gotten this uh, monstrous Call of Duty thing off my chest?
0: Um, actually, no, because you know exactly what I'm going to go for, and then we're going to spend okay. the next 45 minutes or 50 minutes or whatever talking about it.
1: All right, shall I go first? Yes, please do. Okay, I am going to start off with a, story, with a, with a game that I know that uh, you have quite an attachment to, and that would be a game by the name of Serena.
0: Oh shit! <laughs> this is a You're game. you kidding? That...
1: Oh man this this game really did impact me. Um, it did. This is this is an uh, this is a game. It's a free game made by Agustin Cardes and uh, contributed to by many people, kind of in and around the game development, uh, 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 whatever, uh, like scene. I guess I would call it for lack of a better term. <laughs> the scene. Um, y- the scene. You yourself were involved in this as well, which is, I promise you, not one of the reasons why I'm mentioning it in fact, but because it was legitimately a touching experience. I was like
0: uh, like a a, like a tiny little percentage of the amount of effort that went into this game.
1: I was such a humble fellow. No, I was. I was. I
0: I, I literally wrote, like, nothing.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, the reason I like this game is... It is a linear story... It's very much kind of like a macabre, spooky sort of a, a storytelling, kind of like an Edgar Allan Poe story, I might say, which is something that I've always enjoyed since I was a kid. That's sort of a, a mood and a tone and a way of telling a story. Um, you play this kind of a disembodied protagonist who has a, a somewhat of an idea of who he is and where he is, but you learn more as the protagonist, a little bit more about yourself and about your situation and about your long-time history and about your recent history by exploring the uh, surroundings. You're just in this one kind of a house or a cabin somewhere and uh, looking at objects and having little flashbacks of memory um, which reveal little bits of your psyche and your situation. Um, the, the, one of the big set pieces in the game that is really striking is this photograph that you find on a table that changes slightly um or even not so slightly i guess but it's a photograph of two people and you look at this photograph and uh kind of surmise different uh different aspects of the relationship between these two people and i think before long you recognize that the protagonist is one of these two people i'm trying not to no, spoil anything that, because that w- that
0: w- that was the best uh one of the best ideas ever was to have that photograph change every time the mood changed in the cabin
1: it was a very cool idea. Which it, and the, which, is the spoiler, the which is not a spoiler. Which is
0: not a spoiler. The mood changes wh- uh, whether you do something or not.
1: It does, and it's like shining a different light. Every time the photograph changes, you can look around at things. I don't know it if actually it's, doesn't, it's true that you can look
0: you ha- at... You have to do stuff to make the mood change, but still, it, it changes.
1: Sure. So, it, it, when the mood changes, then your protagonist's mood changes, and... Uh, expresses things in a different way. Sometimes your protagonist is nostalgic, or sometimes he's angry, or sometimes he's sorry and sad. Um, and it just exposes kind of the depth of the the character who you are. So it's a really rewarding thing to just learn who you are. But the thing that really, really gets me is the very end of this story. I guess the last five or ten minutes or so of this story. The whole game is like an hour or maybe an hour and a half long if you really take your time and uh, drink it in. be but uh, it could be shorter. But the, it wasn't for me. I think I spent about an hour and a half on it just because I was really looking at the details. Yeah. Um, the ending is just extremely memorable, and it was really shocking. I did not see it coming. I, it was the sort of a game where I thought that I had guessed the ending, and it didn't happen, and it was very different from anything that I had guessed. Um, and between the visual imagery of what you see and the conclusion that it forces you to draw, uh, that's just a really unforgettable situation, uh, and, uh, a real, like, marvel of storytelling that is something that you're going to want to talk about, that's something that you're going to want to experience with somebody else, just to chat about it and, uh, share your theories about what you think happened, and who you think you are, and why you did the things that you did, and why the people around you did the things that they did. Sure. Um... Um, That's about as much as I need to say about it, honestly, but uh, it was just a story that was really well told, and although it's a linear story, it moves at a pace that is dictated by your willingness to either look at every teeny tiny little thing or just to advance the story forward, kind of however you see fit, and uh, it's uh, a really important experience in terms of uh, storytelling in video games as like a mature medium of like a fictional uh, uh, exposition. So there you go. Serena is what it's called. I'll put a link to it in the show notes and it's totally free.
0: Well, fuck. Um I'm I'm actually kind of touched at uh, your um you know, your comments about the the game because uh, I was I was really proud to be asked to uh, to to work on it. I was one of four writers. I was the one writer who did the least, so I get the bottom credit. Um uh, but I did, you know, we we had a lot of brainstorms on uh, Secret Forum at, you know, sensecape.com and had a lot of discussions about how to push uh, things forward. And um, 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 let's see, uh, one of the things the game does is uh, some things are just moved uh, forward with uh, the clock. You know, it's just on a timer. Some things are just bound to happen, and other th- hmm. and, and other things are triggered by you looking at a certain thing, and then it moves things forward. But it all eventually culminates into one uh, uh, finish. And the one thing that uh, Agustin Cortez, I love saying his name so much, Agustin I Cordes. know. Um, I know.
1: Saying his name is like drinking a cup of salt. It sulfur. is,
0: isn't it? It's just like it's just mm-hmm. like tasting this little buttercups augustin cortez um one thing he had in mind was that he hated the fact that every time you looked at an object in an adventure game it gave the same generic response over and over again so he wanted the writers and that would be me and frederick olsen and Simo sakari altonen he's finnish and augustin himself to uh, uh put in a bunch of names or no, no, sorry, a bunch of messages descriptions yes, yeah, descriptions, messages for each and every fucking object in the cabin, and um, in the um, you know the spreadsheet where we put in these uh descriptions, there were uh four distinct categories of moods, so we had to put in three at least three descriptions of every object, for every mood there was in. So that's an awful lot of voice acting, which Josh Mandel did. He's great. And,
1: he was really, really great. And
0: I've always seen Josh Mandel as this comedy guy. Yeah. I mean, he was always the fun... I mean, he, he ghost-wrote for Space Quest Four. He was the, you know, the Monolith Burger guy in Space Quest Four, the voice game. Um, hmm. um, he was always the fun... He, he ghost-wrote for a number of uh, Sierra games, and he just... He actually, you know... He was he was acting.
1: <laughs> Which oh, sure sounds
0: surprising, but I was really flabbergasted when, when the voices came back. It was like, holy shit, the fucking thing I wrote just came out of Josh Mandel's mouth and it's awesome. So yeah, I was really um He really makes it too. He
1: adds so much just to the, the presence and the depth and the the reality of the situation. And I was really so surprised.
0: And the ending itself Jesus Christ, did we go back and forth on that one? Um, I believe yeah, it. Um, it, it. The main question was, and this is spoiler free, was whether or not we should have one of those
1: dum-dum
0: kind of uh, sounds to it. Whether it should announce that something terrible has happened, or it hmm. should just be complete silence. And I don't remember what you did We now. went with complete silence. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, that's good because I know the the moment that you must be talking about and that was super shocking to me the way it it's was. It's
0: shocking just because of the sound effect alone and then you're just left there to uh, you know, view the horror. Yep. And that's all I'm going to say because we hacked... Okay, I'm I'm going to say, and this is why I'm skirting around the issue because normally I have no problem with spoilers. I love spoilers. I'm going to spoil everything for everyone because I hate humanity. Uh, But uh, one thing we did have on Serena, the writing team, was we had a pact that we were never, never going to reveal what the actual truth of the story is, what the actual uh, Mm. uh, solution to the story is, because parentheses, and this is not a spoiler. We all had four different interpretations. Ah, so okay,
1: that's good to so know. We because don't, there are
0: a lot of different ways you can take we it. We don't actually know ourselves. Okay. Parentheses closed.
1: That, I don't feel quite so left out of the joke now to hear no, this. But that's good. I thought that there was like one one definitive canonical. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty happened. sure
0: we should modify that to three of us because I'm pretty sure Augustine had one, and he's uh, you know. Keeping it to himself, but the rest of us, we have promised each other never to reveal our own interpretations.
1: Well, that's great because yeah, if you look on the Steam uh, the Steam forums, there's like rampant conversation about what people think happened, and oh, your your solution couldn't be this because this and this happened, and this implies yes. that.
0: So it's and one I of those sorts that. of experiences. Some of those yeah. some of those people have come up with uh, let's just say. More creative solutions than we had when we wrote it
1: oh that's wonderful well that's how you know you've done a good job of something when it's uh, that's provocative that uh, people want to explain what they've uh, what they've uh, consumed
0: yes and uh, uh, although i didn't write much of it, I was very involved with uh, uh, you know brainstorming. The story. Ghosting came up with all of the uh, you know the concepts and all of the shit that takes place uh, you know in the cabin itself and uh, um, you know bits and pieces like uh, like for instance the uh, uh, ghost voice of Serena just popping up. I think that was my idea and uh, yeah. um, you know you know just bits and pieces of um, you know the entire. Uh, Kevin, what sort of things should be placed wherever and what does this you know the couch in the corner what does this mean and we had like huge brainstorming sessions what happened in the fucking couch it
1: was yeah that's important stuff though it's good to hear that you put that much thought into it
0: it is important a lot of time because people will catch it but I will highlight uh Simo uh who was uh Who was you know he he wrote the uh, uh, poems on top of the uh, you know the uh, chest and uh, he was like our literary professor who just oversaw that everything we did had some sort of narrative cohesion and he was just he was just an absolute uh, stickler for authenticity. And he would go in and meticulously correct like little, you know, phrases that didn't quite fit with the character and stuff like that. That was, uh, Simo did a fantastic job. So kudos to Simo, kudos to Augustine, kudos to Frederick, kudos to everyone who fucking worked on the game. I love everyone.
1: Oh, to you all. Fucking and to all the artists you. that contributed, too. Jenny Patterson, I know, did the uh, photograph, and she's an amazing artist. Yes, she We did. have one of her paintings. We commissioned a painting from her, actually. I surprised my wife. I commissioned a painting from her a couple of years ago of some of our birds. So that's hanging in our living oh, room. Oh, cool. And also, uh, Ben Chander, I know, did a, a painting on one of the walls, and I commissioned a painting from him as well to paint another one of our birds to surprise no <laughs> way. So those are, those are some... And I, I think there's other, there's other artists, too. Well, there's the environment artists and the, the people who made the different objects and stuff. They did such a great job of the lighting and the, the scene. Yeah, It's a, a great little place to inhabit for a while. Those were... Uh, like, you what, know, what better thing can you say? Jan
0: Caban from, uh, uh, you know, the dude who did... Uh, what's the fucking game? Julia, the game. Uh, uh, mm, okay. he, he programmed a lot of it, and Pablo from uh, Senscape did a lot of the uh, you know graphics and stuff. But I'm going to shut up about Serena because I can, uh, and I actually have talked about this at length. So I'm just going to shut up now.
1: Okay, well, we, I couldn't have this conversation without bringing up this game. So do try, it folks. Serena, a free, a free. I guess would you would you call this an adventure game?
0: Um, yes I would, but I would call it an adventure game in the same sense that Gone Home is an adventure game. Sure. Well,
1: is that uh, that what you would call uh, a a segue?
0: (sighs) Are we really going to get into this now? (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. Oh, fuck. And I should say
1: it's been, a, I guess, about a year or so since I played it last. But I remember the major story beats anyway. Uh,
0: I played it uh, uh, maybe a week before I went to uh, uh, the, uh, you know, the festivals in uh, um, in Denmark. Are usually center around uh, the end of June and the uh, early July. So, um, hmm. so I had uh, a week where I wasn't really doing anything, and one. You know, late night. I decided to... because there there was a Steam sale, and it's you know people have been talking about going home. I have no idea what the fuck it is. I'm just gonna fucking download it and just see what. It's, it's not a
1: very uh, exciting name. No, it's,
0: it's it's not an exciting name, and people have been you know kind of bitching about it. Just going, it's not really a fucking game. It's not really anything. It's just uh, you know, ugh. Uh, and I was just and like, okay, of course they're right. Okay,
1: of course, they're I'm gonna right.
0: fucking try it out. They say it's it's not too long. I'm just gonna sit down and play it. And I was completely unprepared. I mean, my wife's my wife's asleep on the floor because she usually put our mattress in on the uh, living room floor so she can sleep on it while I watch, you know, whatever shit on TV. No, not that, you perverts. Um, and uh, you know, I put my computer in the uh, uh, TV and decided, to, yeah, let's to try out this steam game. And I sat there for four fucking hours playing this game and just walking through the story and I've I've got to be honest with you. I have never been so emotionally moved in my life. Wow. I have not. Not with uh, in okay, okay. Um, let me clarify that. I have not been so emotionally moved with a fictional story in my life. Obviously, I've been hmm. to my own wedding. Oh, I yeah. was there. That's I good. partially participated in it. Mm. Uh, but in a, in a fictional story, I've never been so moved with a uh, a piece of digital entertainment, let's call it that, um, than Gone Home.
1: Oh, nice to hear. So, yeah, elaborate on that.
0: Uh, elaborate. Let's see. Um, uh,
1: so, what's what's different about this about this this game than uh, a similar? Well, game? Well,
0: it's not it's not an adventure game in the traditional sense. You don't walk around solving puzzles. There are no puzzles in the game. You just pick up keys and you unlock things. And I had a discussion with Richard Cobbett the other day, um, actually last night, um, about how the game would have worked better if all the doors were unlocked. And I just went, no, no, that would ruin the... Uh, um, it is, it is, you know, sort of an open world, but not really. It's It's a linear progressive story. You're supposed to pick... And you're supposed to pick up things in a progression, and the game is really, really good at pointing you in the direction where you want to pick up the different pieces of letters different pieces of diary entries without making it seem like it's shoving you in the right direction it just mm-hmm. gradually shoves... It, it no shoves it gradually nudges you in the right direction because you know the hallway bends at this angle so you want to go in the first room you see and then you pick up this piece of shit and then yeah, um and and the more uh, uh, you know doors you unlock of which there are not many It's a very very short game, by the way. Um, The more doors you unlock, the more uh, things you uncover, and uh, uh, I can't, you know, talk about this game without spoiling it.
1: Well, let's not spoil it because the ending is—I didn't see the ending. Not even the ending. Not even the
0: ending. The uh, the premise of the story just just uh, you know acknowledging and and uh, you know explaining the premise is spoiling it
1: it's a weird premise it's the kind of premise where again you don't know exactly who you are you go to a house and it's em- you go to your house after a trip and it's empty and you don't really know why it's empty you're not expecting it to be empty that's kind of the premise and it's a really it weird is the premise. premise. And
0: every you know every light is turned off and you're not sure if there are ghosts around the corner if you're going to you know if something's going to leap out at you and you run around you know turning on off the, all the lights and such and It does
1: feel like ghosts are going to jump out at you in this game too. I'm glad that they didn't, but it really and you expect And the
0: them. and the metaphor for that is really uh, uh, you know unimpeachable because ghosts do jump out at you. In a metaphorical sense, sure. Uh, and sure. Uh, that's about all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna say the ghosts do jump out at you. I'm. I'm. The only thing I'm gonna say is that Gone Home has one real big, big detriment uh, to it. What's to that? it, and that is the price tag. Oh, is, I don't remember what is the price tag. I. I. I'm not sure, but it's like twenty dollars or so. It's like. It's like massively expensive for for a game that is over really, really quick. And I can see why the criticism uh, towards Gone Home is that it's, uh, you know, very, very short for a lot of money.
1: Well, as much as we try to avoid comparing games or whatever you want to call them to movies, I kind of think that, you know, all things considered... I mean, there is a lot of competition where you can pay very little for a long, satisfying game. But all things considered... To be entertained for four hours for $20 is not a terrible thing. That's not a big injustice. That's
0: a good point, and uh, that's actually something I have to consider because the amount of, um, let's say, emotional investments and uh, the reward I got into it uh, and the, uh, you know, the, the, the whole... I mean, it took days for me to get over this game. And I'm literally... I, I'm not kidding. It took days for me to get over this game i was i was I was in a complete daze uh it's very touching it, it is it is beyond touching and and the thing is the main story is touching in itself that's fine it's uh, and that will stick with you and it will uh but the uh you know the underlying textures of the game there are other stories to find in this game there's the mother there's the father there's the uh you know the uncle there's the ghost there's the oh sorry did I just spoil that um uh there's all sorts of shit to find in this game and I haven't found every journal entry yet. I'm still four journal entries short. Um it's just it is phenomenal value for money, but if you're a first comer and you're walking into the you know the Steam sh- uh, store and you go, "All right, this game is about 4 hours long and go, yeah, it's got replayability value, but fuck, um you're not going to throw down in you know, like $20 or whatever it is. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's got a lot of competition for as little as it can tell you compared to what the other games that you're trying to buy are telling you in that same space. Yeah, exactly. It's fair enough. In addition to how impactful the story is, I will also say that just kind of the the graphical fidelity of this game, I thought it was beautiful. It's very, very realistic, and it takes place in like the 1990s or so, or at least... Is that? It? Oh, do they, do they spell they it do out? They do spell it out.
0: 1995.
1: Okay. And so you'll see all relics of these of this era like uh audio cassettes and uh stuff like that and TV listings um,
0: with x-files and uh um, <laughs> red dwarf and uh, right shit.
1: so it full house it makes you really nostalgic to see this kind of stuff like come to life and it really does come to life just the way that they build the the areas and the, the 3D renderings and the textures and stuff like that it not only does it look like it belongs in that era but all the objects are kind of weathered and used uh, as if it were uh, owned by a family, a living real family. And to be
0: honest, that goes a long no, way to too. be honest. Actually, I don't know if it's just me, but I wasn't actually that impressed with the uh, visuals of it. I do appreciate the, uh, uh, the atmosphere of it because they do, uh, they use a lot of, uh, uh, you know, mood lighting. They use a lot of, you know, this object. Oh, sorry, just nuts the microphone. Um, um, they use a lot of mood lighting, like the TV broadcasts a lot of, uh, you know, mood lighting onto the floor and uh, the light room with the, uh, you know, Christmas lights, the red Christmas lights broadcasts a lot of light onto the floor, but it's not like, it's not like it's a visually gorgeous game. Uh, It's um, maybe it's because I had to turn my details down. I don't know. Um, It's just, it, it's just that when you walk in, no. What I really love about this—this this is not a criticism. What I really love about it was when you walked in, it was kind of unassuming. It's kind of like, all oh, right, you're you're in a house. Okay, cool. I'm just gonna walk down this corridor. I'm just gonna turn on this light. I'm just gonna pick up this sheet of paper. And once you're done picking up the uh, 250 uh, uh, piece of paper, and you're like, uh, you know, got a box of Kleenex and you're bawling your eyes out and you go, that was totally fucking worth it.
1: There you go, yes.
0: Uh, so it's, Absolutely. so in in my mind, it's an unassuming game. It just, it just goes, please step into this house, we're not gonna flash you with all sorts of shit. It's not, it's not flashy, it's not, the, you know, texture mapped and uh, detailed and everything. It's a story. It's like reading a visual novel. Go on, step inside.
1: Sure. I actually did, though, think that it was graphically a beautiful game, and that it just depicts scenes that you don't really see in such a fashion in really any other game. Yeah, right. I yeah, right. appreciate that it's, a lot.
0: It's, it's not like fucking Call of Duty or like Mortal Kombat uh, X or whatever. It's not, like, it's not like, whoa, my God, where did that come from? It's just like, it. it's unassuming because it has a different agenda. Mhm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What it wants to do more than anything else is just like slowly reveal a story to you. It does have a lot of parallels in the way that it tells a story to Serena. In that exploration is the main interaction with the world. It's the main driving force in your in your uh, gameplay.
0: That is tr- so that is true, but uh, uh to be fair, I at least had not played uh gone home until actually uh you know, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so when we did Serena, which is what a year old, a half a year. Oh, sure, oh. sure. There's a lot of
1: games where exploration is the primary means of revealing a story. We did
0: not rip off uh, Gone Home, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you, I just, just want to set that, that one straight because actually, there oh, there've sure. been uh, you know people on the on the Steam comments going, uh, "This is kind of like Gone Home," as, except you're like glued to the floor. It's like, yeah, it's a different kind of game. Come on. Mm-hmm.
1: And both those engines,
0: I think, have uh, their own merits.
1: Where, oh, what's it called? Node-based? Yeah, yeah. In Serena? Yeah. Where you, you're you basically, sure, you can say you're glued to the floor. You're standing in a place, and you can look around in all directions. And I guess the benefit of that is that you can add more fidelity and sh- shadows and just kind of more artistry and... Uh, Hands on touch, yeah, and, and and to a scene that way than you can with a 3D model that's rendered in in the end, and that's
0: because the uh, Agustin, I fucking love this guy's name, um, Agustin, <laughs> and his cohorts in Argentina, another great name, um, build their own game engine called Dagon, which is uh, yes. which is named after a Lovecraftian creature. Did everyone catch that? Yes, they're f- full of Lovecraftian. Goodness! Um, no, they sure anyway, are. they they uh, built their own um, you know node based adventure game engine called Dagon, and uh, um, they used it for Scratches, which is uh, one of um, which is actually the first uh, game that Agustín uh, did, which apparently became this minor cult classic horror game. I've played it a bit. Apparently, it amounts to calling up your friend and just bitching at him. Or five, or fi- uh, five or six chapters. Um,
1: yeah, I, I, I got plenty of that from however little of the game yeah. I played. Uh, I found it a little hard to get into, honestly. I've been told.
0: Because I've been told it picks up after you, you know, settle in and you know realize that the phone is the only thing you can use in the house. Anyway. Um, hmm. oh, um, Serena was built on the same engine, and it was used uh, uh, with the same engine that was supposed to be used in Augustine's new game, uh, Asylum, which then later switched to Unity because, hey, particle effects.
1: Right. Oh, did he switch to Unity? Is that for Asylum? He's he's doing it in Unity and not in.
0: Daylight? Um, he's he's he he sort of you know Lovecraftian like merged the two things. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, so he's using all the uh, cool things that the Dagon engine can use with Unity.
1: Oh, okay. It probably makes it better for cross-platform.
0: Which is exactly why he did it. Right, and, and it'll
1: probably make it better for longevity too. I'll, it'll be stay compatible for a long yeah, time, and
0: also particle effects and particle effects. Yeah. Anyway,
1: because uh, if there's one thing you want to see in a filthy asylum, it's particles.
0: Actually, actually, I am, I am, to- I'm totally exaggerating because there were fucking particle effects in Serena. Oh yeah, there Weren't were. There, like, uh, I'm sorry, like, uh, dude. Dude, I Pablo. There, were, there
1: were like sparkles and stuff in the in like the yeah, windows and like lights and uh, stuff. like
0: the you and, know the uh, it's it's st- not the like, dust. Uh, yeah, dust billowing around the uh, uh, windows and such. Pablo and Augustine, I'm so sorry. I've completely, um, I completely, w- I I will go flay myself now.
1: We'll we'll send someone. We'll we'll send flares RS to to your apartment. Right Actually,
0: now. I am going to go flay myself now. Will you hang on for a second?
1: Okay, have a nice flight. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Hi, I'm very happy and also a bit bloody, but, you know, that's what you get.
1: That's good. That's yeah.
0: Good. That's
1: how you know you've been flayed, flayed, flogged, I don't remember what it was. Um,
0: I'm, I'm going for flayed, but I'm not sure, you know, uh, uh, being a second language and all, I'm not sure if flayed or flogged is the same thing.
1: Being my first language, I think it might be.
0: I think flaying and flogged is the same thing, but being flogged, being flogged is like someone else doing it to you. And oh. flaying
1: Okay listeners listeners, if you're any kind of an authority on flaying or flogging or other sorts of like whipping motions, will you please send us a voicemail yes. and let you us know? You know,
0: Catholics, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, there- also also gay sh- should marry. You know, just to put things into context. Brian? Where'd you go? Hello, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. see me hanging I, like that.
1: I have this stupid button on my headset with a mute
0: button on it, and and I'm
1: always so, I'm always smacking it wait, by accident. Let,
0: let's just get this straight. I just piss off every Catholic on your podcast and just go mute.
1: <laughs> oh man, see, I was, shit. I, I, I was responding to. Isn't that 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 makes me look like a, a softy? I'm no softy. And so set, I'm such a I'm so, I'm so much not a softy that we should continue our discussion of emotionally debilitating. Yeah, let's do. Let's do. Products, have, have, we? have
0: we done gone home or is there anything more I should add to this?
1: It's been too long since I've played it, and I honestly feel like I should replay it again. Okay. Based on your enthusiasm of the retelling. no, can can I just so, can I
0: just. Uh, uh, you know, because uh, I've already uh, uh, summarized this on the uh, Tumblr blog. Because everyone who loves Gone Home is apparently on Tumblr. Um, I'm sure. just going to put this out here. Uh, you know, I act like a complete shit at times. I'm, uh, you know, uh, sarcastic and, uh, you know, uh, you know, yeah, a complete shit at times. But honestly, Gone Home is one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had and it's it's one of those stories where you feel like the um, characters are actually real people and they're not just characters um, which is why I'm surprised that we're starting with this game because everything uh, other than Gone Home is just going to be a close second um, I'm just that's all I right, mean I'm, I'm, I'm in complete awe of the storytelling in this game and I cannot I cannot imagine any game topping this. And, and and it's weird because there's you know there are like like Brian says there are no, you know, puzzles to solve. There's nothing really to do just except wander around this house picking up pieces of shit and reading them and listening to her talk. That's basically all the game is. But it's it's re- it's rewarding on an emotional level I did not imagine a uh, a computer game would have. So that's it. That's it. Oh,
1: that's sure. It. I'm glad that you said it that way, too, actually, because there's a lot of games that I played where I wished that they would do away with whatever the primary game mechanic was and just focus on the story. Um, my I had already played and finished and then encouraged my wife to play, and she almost finished Bioshock Infinite. Which is a big dumb shooter where you kill a whole bunch of people, but it has an awesome science fiction story with like alternate alternate past and uh it's uh, it's some very mature, interesting articulate dialogue and it's exactly the sort of game that I've always kind of wished was an adventure game and not a shooter game mm-hmm. because the shooting is fun, but she got fatigued with all the shooting and stuff she's like i'm i'm Tired of running around and yeah. dodging and jumping and shooting and stuff, I just wish that we could enjoy the the story for what it is and it 's like such a thoughtful, good story that it deserves to be told like level headedly is, is, isn't isn't as... really
0: so good i mean I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like uh, uh, the old uh, NES game Ninja Gaiden, which was one of those impossible to finish. Uh, computer games, uh, which which right. apparently had this deep and involving story that no one ever saw because the game was just fucking impossible.
1: Yeah, that whole series was extremely difficult. I rented a bunch of those. Uh, they're they're super super hard. I don't really. I was too young to appreciate those little cutscenes that were like little more than little like vignettes of slideshows and some yeah. text. What, but they were supposed to be pretty do? impactful, I guess, for what, what they you were. What are going to
0: do? Eight bit? Come on.
1: Yeah, sure. And who's your audience for games like that, too? It's not like they really try. Which is
0: weird, by the way, because they were actually trying to tell as far as I know, trying to tell a cinematic story in an 8-bit format. That deserves applause. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah, of course. And a lot of Nintendo
1: games, and old DOS games, for that matter, a a lot of them did that to, to varying degrees of success anyway. But, uh, to your question, Bioshock Infinite had a really, really good story. It was like... It was, like, somewhere between... Uh, what am I going to say? It sort of reminded me a little bit of the movie Groundhog Day, of all things. Have you seen yeah, that one with Bill Murray? Of course. Everyone it, has. It has... So it has exactly the same sort of, like, a temporal, uh, uh, like, anomaly uh, of thinking in, in that kind of a game. It's told very, very, like, maturely and articulately and... Uh, it's really intriguing, and it also kind of keeps you guessing about what you think might actually be happen- happening, and who exactly you are, and who the people around mm. you are. And sometimes, like, the the world will completely change, and you have to think about what was it that exacerbated that change, and what does it mean for, like, why, why is everyone acting this way all of a sudden? It's another one of those stories where it tells you about 85% of the stuff that you really need to know to answer all the questions, and that's what's really kind of niggling at you and... and uh, it just make, makes you keep thinking about
0: it. You know, what one, one thing, you know, about uh, like Bioshock, and which, by the way, the, the dude who worked on Gone Home also worked on Bioshock, but hey, hey, oh, really?
1: uh, really? Yeah.
0: Uh, but, uh, the thing about, uh, you know, uh, Gone Home and Mass Effect and these kind of, uh, games that have these sprawling kind of stories that unfold and, um, which also have all of these, you know, I keep going back to this, these stressful elements that I can't fucking play because I don't give a shit about shooting people. I just want to unfold the story. Um, I never get to experience these. So I have to rely on people like you, kind, kind people like you, uh, to tell me that these are actually good stories worth playing. System Shock is another example. By the way, I've been I've been told all my life about System Shock. Yeah, me too. That was
1: I found ex- both of the one, uh, System Shocks I found very frustrating with the engines. But
0: I cannot play, especially System Shock 2. Uh, I'm told it's one of the greatest achievements of mankind next to the fucking Great Wall. Yeah, so I've been told. It's supposed to have a really spooky, uh, compelling story oh, it's to supposed it. To be, it's supposed to be a fucking masterpiece. And I can't play it cuz i no it's got a clunky interface it has shooting it has yeah. you have to like
1: but, but i i tried playing system shock 2 again fairly recently within the last year just cuz it's been released i guess on gog and a bunch of modern uh stores and it's been like guaranteed that you can actually run it now without having to install a whole bunch of modifications and updates oh shit
0: i'm um, sorry i'm sorry my, my my fucking doorbell just went off oh go take I'm care sorry. of it just one second sure
1: All right. Where do
0: we? That being word said, where off?
1: I uh, I don't remember. Do you remember?
0: I uh, no, because <laughs> I was kind of oh, well. shocked.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, why don't we move it along then? All right. Okay. Um. All right. What's another good game? I'm just looking at my list here. Um, I got a bunch. Okay, I I have a pr- provocative one that uh you're not going to like and that's why I am going to wholeheartedly bring this oh, one yes, up. Oh, yes, please. Okay, so this is the one the game that I want to bring up, the series I want to bring up in fact is the Telltale Games Walking Dead oh, series. Oh, fuck me. I know you have a special place in your butt for oh, this game and for this me. for this series. Um have you Have you played these?
0: I have played about uh let's say thirty to forty five minutes of the first game, and then I realized that this game can bite my sweaty nutsack.
1: <laughs> All right, so uh, uh to to introduce these, I guess, um, I know that there are some people who would who would take umbrage or offense or whatever at calling these adventures. I games. take
0: very umbrage.
1: Okay, you take that. You take that bridge. So uh these games are I guess you would call like an interactive T V show no, they're not. I suppose. They have less interactivity than the average game. Yes, they do. But more interactivity than like Serena or Gone no, Home. They don't. <laughs> so, in this game, your primary means of interacting with the world... I guess you have two primary means of interacting with the world. One is that you walk your character around and you can look at objects, you can pick them up, you can give them to people if they request them. Um, it's uh, got a lot of similarities to an adventure game uh, no, in doesn't. that respect. <laughs> what you can also do is you can speak with people, and you are given dialogue trees, also similar to other... Uh, Adventure okay. games, or two adventure yeah, games it is. in general. Yeah, it is. There you go. And what's different about it than most adventure games, though, is that you often are given the opportunity to say something that will either make that will change your relationship with that person. You'll either piss them off, or you'll win them over, or they'll be suspicious of you, or they'll notice something that you did, which will change their relationship which with you. Which amounts to they, nothing. So they don't trust you. Okay, so let's let's clear the air on that bit then. Um although there are branches to the story no, there isn't. um to a great to to some extent it doesn't matter too much what you choose in the end. That the major story beats are still going to happen, and that someone that you've opted to save is probably going to die not too long from now anyway. That's not always the case, and there are some. Having played it twice, I played I played through the series once, and my wife played through the series once. We intentionally. She watched me. She was riveted to this game as I played it, or at least after the first episode. That didn't ca- capture her at all. But by the second episode, she was really into it, and we would collaborate on what to say in what situation what to do um so uh there are some instances where your choices are long lasting and will directly impact the way that the chapter or the uh season you could call it will end some of those uh choices i'm trying to remember now the difference between the first and second so in the second in the second season there are two seasons of i think five games each um there are some choices that you can make that dramatically change the way that the series of events
0: unfolds whoa, whoa.
1: and dramatically change where you are at the very, very last moments of Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. Five games of two seasons. Sure. You say that? yeah say that? Five games of two seasons. Pretty sure. That's an awful... I mean, uh, only Sam and Max and Tales of Lon- uh, Monkey Island have, uh, you know, done that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's extremely popular, and I know a lot of its popularity is because of the TV show, which I don't give two craps about. My wife really likes it; I don't care about it at all. I gave me neither. I, didn't care I
0: watched whatsoever. the I watched the first uh, season, and it uh, captivated me in the same sense that stroking my balls for about thirty minutes captivates me, and then I'm bored.
1: No, that's more that's more captivating, I think. So, the I did, however, uh, give the comics a try and I got like a hundred and something issues into the comic, which was a lot more interesting than the show to me, because I don't care if it's a spoiler. For example, you know, in the show, if you're going to hire actors, they're going to stay with you for a long, long time. It's pretty rare that a major character is going to get killed in a show like that. Whereas in the comic... In the first, like, I don't know, the first 50 issues or so, the the main character, his name is Rick, his hand gets chopped off, and he goes through the rest of the story with one hand, and that's the kind of stuff that you're not going to do in a TV show for whatever reason. This comic is a lot more hardcore, and there's a lot really? more, like, awful, awful really? stuff that they have to do. You're, n- you're, oh, n- yeah. you're
0: not going to go through a whole TV series with a guy with one hand? Have you ever watched Arrested Development? No they idea. had a whole, uh, you know, preemptive uh, kind of thing about one of the uh, characters. This is not a zombie show, by the way, so you can just tune out. Is he at the this main point. protagonist? Yeah, he's one of the main. It, it's 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 an ensemble thing. It's this whole family, and one of, one okay. of them uh, keeps you know uh, running into situations where someone makes an innuendo about. Oh, is that the right word? It, it makes it a, an allusion to him losing his hand up until the point where he actually does lose his fucking hand, and he spends the rest of season three without a fucking hand.
1: All right, that's pretty cool.
0: That's pretty cool. So, so anyway, anyway it's rare, you're right. I said it's
1: rare. It's rare. Okay, is what it's I rare. Said. It
0: It's it's one show. Yeah, most most shows sure. suck.
1: Most shows do suck very very much so, and I think that. Walking Dead probably falls within that description It does suck as, as well. well. So that being and also said, thus breaking Bad. Really, I'm sorry. Um, I'm just I, ha- I had a really good time with the games anyway. I had a really good time with the Telltale series. I believe it was... I don't know if it was the first time that they kind of uh, diverged from their regular kind of point-and-click. They were sort of moving away from point-and-click, actually. I loved the first season of Seven Max. I loved the second season of Seven Max... And in the third season, they kind of switched over to this gamepad. Uh, they switched from, like, a point-and-click mouse interface to a gamepad walking your guy around, kind of similar to Grim Fandango sort of an interface, and I somehow lost all interest. I had never finished the first se- the first episode of Season 3 of Salmon yeah. Max, and I don't know what happened. And, you
0: happens. know, this is not, this is not even a, an innovation. They, they already did that. The first, um, you know, Tales of Maki Island did this, uh, you know, walk around the fucking gamepad kind of thing, which...
1: Yeah, though no, that's right. Which is do. just
0: fucking atrocious and I don't know why they would bring that back because it is just so un- on no, cross platform, right? Yeah, cross platform my fucking ass. It's They have it's to sell just, more.
1: They have to sell more so that they can make no, more. No,
0: that's it's no, unfortunate that is laziness. Not. You can easily put in a different uh, uh control scheme for PC versus tablets.
1: Oh, didn't the uh, remake for Grim Fandango handled that beautifully.
0: Yes, it did well. I can't beaut- think of beautifully a Beautifully may be too uh, a strong a word because the uh, a point and click in Grim Fandango had its own problems. One, you can't complete Grim Fandango on the PC with the mouse control on its own. You ha- you really? have to use the keyboard at some point. You do. Really? Well, I did. Well, I, got I did. Like ninety percent. Maybe the way I through. was drunk. I don't know, but you do. Where was it? I don't know. It's been a while. Maybe <laughs> I we're know. drunk. And also, and know. also, um, yes. the whole. Um... No, nah, I forgot what I was gonna say. Fuck it. It's not. It's not important. Okay. What? Okay. Uh, you know. Point of everything, I'm I'm making this grand gesture here, this grand arch uh, kind of thing. Telltale can go bite my nuts because um, the uh, reduction of the adventure game genre into just click-fests or QTE sequences or just uh, reducing your level of exploration into uh, just uh, asking some person something else than something else is not adventuring. That's choose-your-own-character novels.
1: Okay, well, you can, you can call it what you will. I don't think it matters too much what you call it. it. It borrows elements from many different media, including media that are not games. But there is interactivity, there are choices that you make. Sometimes it's the illusion of choice, and sometimes it's a temporary choice, and sometimes it's a meaningful choice. No, but it's...
0: it's that,
1: that doesn't matter to me no, too much. It's, does, that, does it bother it's, you? Yes,
0: it does, because it's simplification to the point of juvenile.
1: Oh, it's not.
0: It is. It, is. So I've played it RPG... is.
1: I've played RPGs where you're given three different ways to say something, and then the response is, oh. And it doesn't matter which of those things you said. You just were given the three different things. It's way better no, than that.
0: Uh, because, you know, people are whining about how, uh, you know, modern adventure games are just regressing into their 90s state and trying to relive the past. If anything, Telltale are just mind-fucking the past because the only thing they're doing is doing buttons, you know, Simon says button mashing, and then putting it into this sort of choose-your-own-adventure from the early 80s. That's...
1: Oh, and I'm glad you brought up the button mashing thing, because the quick-time effects, those are stupid. Those are just time fillers. Those are excuses to make it a little bit more interactive. No, And it's the laziest possible way to do it. No, but
0: my point is that everything Telltale is doing is more... Regressive than anything you know, uh, uh, people like wargame games have ever done because they do stuff in low res and such. No, telltale are what's really regressing uh, adventure game genres because they're just reducing it to the point of simplicity and stupidness.
1: Okay, so regression is one way to describe that, but you could also call it like a crucible where they're they're removing the elements. That they don't deem to be beneficial to the telling of the story.
0: The story is one and thing. You may disagree but, with but,
1: what you may disagree with what they consider to be those essentials. But, but it's not necessarily regression. It's an evolution. No, is no, way to put it's it.
0: regression because if you're cock blocking your protagonist from proceeding in the story with needless button mashing puzzles, that's not re- that that's not advancing the story. That's just putting your dick in his face and slapping it around.
1: <laughs> so what about the? Let's just say, what about the inverse? Let's think. Like we've already talked about Gabriel Knight today. How many point and click icons does Gabriel Knight have?
0: I know that's a, lot, a terrible right? design decision, but that's not comparable. Right.
1: So we we learned from that. We we discovered our preferences from that. And no, we no,
0: we have not discovered anything. That's not comparable. <laughs> Why? Not? Because Gabriel Knight's interface was a piece of shit. And that in itself was not it worked. It did not affect the actual story within it. It did not affect. I
1: think that you could argue that Gabriel Knight's point-and-click interface was closer to the old text adventures than a lot of other point-and-click interfaces because of all the different verbs you had. Right, a lot of people say that 3D graphic adventures are bullshit because text adventures are the only free means of description. Right? Like by having an interface that lets you only choose certain verbs, that that's a huge reduction of the amount of things that are Wait possible. Wait a minute.
0: I just I I just caught a fallacy of my own, okay. uh, which was that uh, Gabriel's Knight's uh, uh, interface did not uh, interfere with the uh, story. Okay. Which it did. Which is the same reason why, um, uh, you know, The Walking Dead interfered with the story because I acknowledged that The Walking Dead had a very interesting story. I guess. I didn't play it, but I've... Uh, it doesn't really. I've heard that people, uh, you know, like it.
1: It's the details. The story is obvious and stupid. It's the details. It's the situation. Actually,
0: they share a similar uh, malady, which is that the interface gets in the way of enjoying the actual story. Um, uh, that sure. Was, Give an yeah. example. What do you mean? Uh, because the uh, uh, interface is so cumbersome.
1: In Walking Dead,
0: yeah, in Walking Dead and in Gabriel Knight yeah
1: i didn't find it that cumbersome in Walking Dead, but uh, I'd like to hear what well you
0: the say about uh, it. Uh, cumbersomeness uh, uh, is the sort of David Cage malady where you have to press something at a certain point in time, otherwise you completely lose and you can just go fuck yourself. this is the same sort of bullshit we saw with uh, you know Brain Dead and Dragon's lair and uh, this is this is just this is just Bullshit! I hate those fucking games.
1: I know what you mean. It's a game for your thumbs, not for your brain. Exactly,
0: screens. and Gabriel Knight and okay. Gabriel Knight suffered the same kind of fate because uh, it had too many options. It had, uh, you know, the interface, uh, uh, you know, hindered the game instead of uh, liberating it. Instead of instead of letting you um, instead of letting you um, immerse yourself in the story it hindered you because you were just sitting there going, okay, which of these 14,000 fucking items am I supposed to use?
1: Right. And which of the 10 or 12 or whatever verb icons are you supposed to use?
0: So I apologize to anyone who was listening to anything I just said because I'm a complete idiot.
1: (laughs) That's why we have you on the show, Troy. That's great. So, um the, these are matters of opinion anyway. I don't really mind some action. No? these are a facts. Game. A lot of the A <laughs> lot of the games that I play are pure action. A lot of the games I play are pure brain work, and a lot of the games I play are somewhere in between that borrow elements from many different types of games. This is a game where the action is kind of superficial. Um where whenever, whenever whenever you have to aim at something you can kind of aim in the vicinity of it, and you'll hit it. Or sometimes you have to press buttons real fast in order to uh, approximate uh, the exertion of your character in some way. Ooh, the gameplay. Cage Ooh, in gameplay.
0: One. Ooh, gameplay. Ooh.
1: I know. It's like, they, it's like they have a movie, and they want to... It's like they look up game in the dictionary, and they got the most basic... The most basic definition of what is a game, and they're like, oh, let's do that. Let's put that in a game. You have to push buttons? Okay, we'll make pushing buttons a thing in the game. It is a very uh, kindergarten-y kind of a definition of gameplay, in, to some extent, but that part of the game is kind of minimized. At least, if not in, like, you don't, you don't spend a significant amount of time doing the action kind of stuff, and it's not terribly important. It's either you're gonna, usually you're either gonna succeed or you're gonna fail. Sometimes you'll get a choice. Exactly, but, uh, you know, you know,
0: David Cage is like the finger painting of adventure game design.
1: Oh, totally, that's a great way to put it. He's,
0: he's, he's like the whatever the fuck sticks. I'm gonna do it, and, and uh, and, and 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 then some kindergarten teacher, but you know, pokes him on the shoulder and goes, uh, "Dave, uh, you might want to draw inside the lines." He goes, "No, you don't have to draw inside." And he goes, "Okay, that's true. You don't have to, but." At some point, someone's going to get mad at you drawing on their tables.
1: Mm-hmm. That's that's very much David Cage, isn't it?
0: And really also, he's retarded games, and way... drools on the table.
1: That's it. <laughs> I believe. No, I'm thinking of something else. Of all the horrible things that that Ben and Francisco have said about David Cage, I can't think of any of them right now. But listen to the entirety of their of their Blue Cup Tools podcast and. If you, like, skip to a random episode, you'll probably hear three or four uh, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. ...libelous comments about... The oh,
0: game. uh, speaking of... Uh, uh, speaking of mad things that the, the Blue Cup 2s have upset, um, could I just bring out an example of things that did not grab me emotionally? Okay. Um, Broken Sword.
1: Yeah, well, that, that was all... I've only played the first one. It's so all over the place.
0: Um, uh, no, um... <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> um what I mean is um thank you, mr lizard cecil uh was that uh, the the romance story of broken sword never caught me, and what I really find infuriating about that is that's the romance story we have to live with in two, three, four, 4, at five, whatever the hell he chooses to do from now on. This is not a romance story. These people... I have never been less invested in someone's romance than my two cats fucking on the scratching tree.
1: I know what you mean. Broken Sword 1, the storyteller... And they're both male, by fingers, the way. And all of a sudden there's a romance. Oh, that's, that's it romantic is. too. It's... But anyway, it was completely arbitrary that they start falling in love. Or that they don't start falling in love, they're all of a sudden... They're all in of love. a sudden, boom. See ya. It's the most idiotic wooden thing I've I seen. Know.
0: It's very, very poorly done. That told. is not emotional storytelling. I was invested in the whole historical unraveling of uh, you know uh, uh, the mysteries and everything about the you know Knights Templar. Even though that's kind of a tired cliche, even when the game came out and such, I was still I was still fucking invested in this. But you know. Hmm. <sighs> I'm sorry to say this because I don't want to come off misogynistic but anything, but she just got in the fucking way. She did. And she and, and, and here's the point. She could have been written as a much, much better character. She could have been written as someone who didn't get in the way. As someone who actually made a fucking contribution to the story. And I don't mean the director's cut where they just put her in the fucking hotel room at the start of the game and they just play the rest of the game like nothing ever fucking happened. I'm sorry I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm swearing a lot.
1: Oh, on this podcast? That's fine. <laughs> and when talking about Broken Sword, you'd be far from the first person to have this reaction. I reactions. kind
0: of have a problem with that game. <laughs> now... I didn't I did I know. Have, the more I think about it, the dumber it seems I did have know? a problem with it in nineteen ninety six. I thought it was a fucking brilliant game. It's it was
1: fantastic. Well it has a million glimmers of excellence to it, but it's not cohesive. And it doesn't it's it just isn't coherent in the end. There's no there's very little point to having gone through the things you go through in that game. It just they they're not elements, they're not events that are really related to each other or form like a narrative that should happen in a certain order assuming that you're playing a version of the game that was, that where they consider the order Oh,
0: wait, no, no, wait, I you know, uh, uh, from the perspective of George Stobart I mean, he has an emotional investment in going, okay, this fucker blew up my cabinet, uh, cabinet my cafe where is my vocabulary going? Um, sure. He blew up it's not his cafe, it's just a cafe, It's isn't the it? cafe he was at, and thereby it's his yeah. fucking cafe. He blew up the fucking cafe, now I'm gonna go trape this fucker down, and I'm gonna pull, you know, some... I, actually, now that you mention it, I, I'm not sure what his fucking idea is. What's he gonna do? Exactly! What's he gonna... Exactly!
1: What's he, gonna, he talks to the cops within, like, five seconds of it happening. What the hell does he have to go track them down Exactly!
0: For? Oh, wait, I, I know the answer to that one, it's because... One officer is a complete idiot and the other right. pretends he's a psychic. Right, so apparently, right. the Parisian uh, police department is comprised of complete retards. I just. That's kind of hinted at, yes. So he has some compulsion to go off to fucking Ireland to figure out what the hell is going on. You know, because apparently his travel budget is just too big to carry.
1: Exactly. It's another, yeah, it, it, I think Jane Jensen went to the Charles Cecil school of of, <laughs> of sto- story storyline. Or the other way around. Or the other way around. Well, I don't know. Some Somebody reigned in Jensen at Sierra, if she's always had ideas like this, I suppose. But I am. But she has no one to reign her in. But anymore. I am
0: actually going to uh, rewind this to emotional impact, because one thing I think that the first Gabriel Knight game did was actually emotional impact. You actually had a sort of feeling uh, between... And this was so subtly stated that I I was, you know... <laughs> as a sort of liberal arts major, I was actually kind of moved by it because the, uh, you know, the sudden... <laughs> not sudden. The subtle re- um, relationship between Gabe and Grace is so yeah. understated uh, uh, throughout the entire game and once you get to the actual end, when 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 she's <laughs> spoiler, by the way, turn off your podcast. Um, when you get to the end, and she's uh, lying, uh, you know, captured in the voodoo Hanfur for at the end, and you have to put the uh, talisman on her to revive her and all this shit. Um, if you had no feelings for this girl, you could just fucking walk away and you know just go beat the shit out of everyone. Um. I thought I thought that was uh, effect. In fact, I thought that was more effective than the uh, uh, love story between uh, Gabe and Malia.
1: Oh yeah, oh definitely. Well, I mean, I think even more impactful than that was after you have your voodoo mask, and Gabriel goes to the the secret voodoo uh, ceremony in the swamp, yeah. and it's uh, it's. Uh... What am I forgetting her name? You just said it, Malia. Uh no no no, um am oh, Grace. Grace. It's Grace yeah. that rescues it's Grace that rescues Gabriel. Exactly. I think that's fantastic for so many reasons cuz number 1 it's Gabriel who's the damsel in distress yeah. and number 2 Gabriel's this like he's he's just this like dismissive asshole and Grace is uh comes off as like so prudish and offended. And in the end, she cares for him so deeply that she puts herself in physical risk to infiltrate this, like, criminal activity and rescue the guy. I think, and you don't even know the details of how she rescued him and got him all the way home after you go through incredible uh, lengths just to find the place that you're trying to infiltrate. I thought that was, like, that's one of my favorite moments in adventure gaming, for sure, having Grace being so heroic. Yeah, yeah. She's a great. Character. And just the
0: fact that she fucking followed him, that she's so, she she's so worried about him, that she's actually mm-hmm. she's actually going to trace a uh, you know through the swamp, and he's got a he's got a fucking tracking device, so yeah. she's going to get lost in the woods anyway if she doesn't follow her tracks. And then she goes, go okay, there's a lot of negative ticks in the you know chicken blood. This is not safe, and I'm going to drag my friend back to his fucking shop in New Orleans, which is like four miles away. Yeah. That's a... Yeah, that's really, a drag, him,
1: drag him through this swamp and somehow get his motorcycle back and all the details, yeah. whatever. But I, I really, really like that. And of course, on top of all that, neither of them really states any real affection for each other. There's this kind of unspoken bond between the two of them, where it seems like they're just kind of tolerating each other, but there's these underlying feelings that they have that never go uh, overtly stated. Which which
0: is kind of why I was uh, slightly uh, disappointed with Grace in the second Gabriel Knight game because she just seemed so bitchy and I know this is a point of contention with a lot of Gabriel Knight fans and I do understand why she acts so bitchy throughout the entire game um, it's not, you know, just because you know she's PMSing or some sh- some some you know male bullshit uh, kind of excuse. There's an actual reason why she's bitchy, uh, but it seemed like um, her desire to you know s- uh, save Gabriel, you know, as the male in distress kind of thing was 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 motivated more by you know, you know. Personal desire rather than you know affection
1: i for the record, I absolutely love Grace in Gabriel Knight too. I think she's great. I thought she was really bitchy too in the very beginning, where she and uh Goethe are uh are so hostile towards each other, but they resolve that pretty early on and then you can sort of see the two different sides of grace where she's all business if she has to be and once again with gabriel she's being like uh, marginalized because gabriel doesn't want her to get involved when in fact it's grace who's the one who's saving the day
0: i mean i mean uh, behind the scenes don't get me wrong i can see why she would be annoyed at being marginalized because again uh, gabe is being like a complete asshole as he mm-hmm. usually is uh, but you're playing Gabe and uh, her desire to just well actually now that you think about it I, had, I hadn't i had thought about this now that you think about it uh, her going to Germany to find him is actually an act of love in and of itself and when she a lot
1: of the stuff that she does can be construed that way and when
0: she gets there and he's gone that's just one oh my god I can't take this anymore hmm I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I mean, she goes through a heck of a lot.
1: And even after she's kind of spurned by him, she continues to help out behind the scenes and send him all these letters full of all of her research and, like, underlining the broad strokes of the things that he really needs to know. And he can hardly be bothered to read that stuff. And all he responds to her in his return letters are, things are going great, I don't really need you, (laughs) Go back, go back and leave me alone because uh, I'm doing all the, the man work.
0: You just want to be able so. to uh, write your own letters from Grace and she goes, Hi, Gabe, you piece of shit. Do you realize how much this trip cost me? I hope you drown. Fuck you.
1: So that's a, that's what I love about Grace is that she does have this kind of seething quality. About her, just because of the situation that she happens to be in, and she's kind of a grouchy person, a little bit. I mean, in the first, in the first Gabriel Knight, I think she could have been construed like as exactly the same as she is in Gabriel Knight two, except that her voice actress was kind of chipper and happy.
0: Well, yeah, um, well, in- actually, I thought her voice actor in the first game, Ramini, uh you know, the uh, uh, gal from uh, uh, the King of Queens. Oh. Um. Who's a major Scientologist, by the way? Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Um, uh, was actually kind of. I loved the uh, sarcastic delivery that she did. I
1: thought she was I great.
0: Th- I thought she was wonderful.
1: I thought so too. Uh, but I and I don't know who I like more.
0: Um, in, in the first or the second, but I really like her. Uh, to in the be second. honest, you know, you know, if we're gonna play the favorite game, I'm gonna go with Dean Erickson as Gabriel Knight fuck you, he has an amazing voice and amazing hair, and...
1: I thought he was and, great. I love And number
0: him. two, I'm gonna go with Meini as uh, Garris. I am. And-
1: I thought Dean Erickson was awesome, by the way. I hated him at first. I thought he was all wrong for the part, and the more that I saw him play Gabriel, the more I I was sold into his nah, portrayal. I think yeah. he's fantastic. His,
0: uh, and, and his voice was not fucking annoying after 30 fucking minutes. Anyway, you know, uh I sorry, I love Tim Curry. Don't get me wrong. I love Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. Not in that.
1: Tim Curry is great, but maybe not as Gabriel no.
0: Knight. No. I am.
1: And I think he was even better in the first one than he was in the third one. Is as however much of the third one I, I have played.
0: not played the third one that much. I do have it. Uh
1: oh, it's so hard it's to gonna, play. That is It's going to be hurts.
0: a long while before I played that.
1: Yeah, I hesitate to recommend it. I, I couldn't finish it. It was just too much fun. I
0: have the same sense about uh of 3 as I have about Simon the Sorcerer 3D. Mm-hmm. you get me?
1: Oh, 3D. I didn't know there was
0: a 3D. Oh, it game. does. Yeah, uh, 3 is a 3D game because they uh, started making it as a 2D game and they couldn't get it published, so they had to make it a 3D game, and it just screams, we don't give a shit. We don't give a right. shit. Right. So right. in...
1: I am afraid I'm afraid that I'm gonna to have to call it just about here because I am being beckoned by my better half.
0: Um that saddens me because we hadn't gone to um the other game that I really wanted to talk about, but we might have to make a part two then.
1: I think we will. I have like ten games on my list remaining
0: um, we have about eight on mine and I, I have th- this
1: is the square waves way we make long lists and we, <laughs> and we ignore them
0: and then someone gets drunk and then uh, you know shit happens but I do
1: sometimes there's a bathroom but, break yeah or, th- and or six
0: you're, you're yeah. not gonna put the bathroom breaks in the fucking broadcast are you
1: oh no I'll I'll edit them with snarky sound effects or something is as as my way <laughs> you're gonna
0: put in poop sounds aren't you
1: oh well I am now <laughs> you
0: fucker Anyway, I do have one other game that I which is up close with gone home. And you're okay. not going to believe it
1: Okay. Are can you co- are you going to cover it now? And if so, can you do it very, no, very quickly? No, no,
0: I'm go. I'm no, I'm kind of save this one. Okay, oh, good. Jesus.
1: Well, of course, we would love to have you back ASAP to conclude the, these incredibly important discussions of men sobbing.
0: <laughs> men sobbing slash alcoholism?
1: Yeah. Those two go yeah, hand in hand do. anyway. They do.
0: If you All haven't right. done it, please troll. Well,
1: yeah. Trolls, thank you so, so much for coming back on the show. It's uh, terrific to have you here and always a pleasure to chat oh, with you. Thank you. you. Um. Anything, uh, anything you'd like to plug before we
0: uh, call it a day? Um. Not really. Um. Uh. Yeah. Uh. uh Fred and I are going to do this. Uh. You know. Backseat Designers season finale soon. And by soon, I mean in the next couple of weeks, I think. Uh. But anyway, check out mm. at BS Designers, and it's probably going to show up there if Fred's not too drunk uh and the other thing is that after um you know backseat designers is done i am going to uh, start doing my own let's place and uh, uh that's going to happen at my youtube channel which
1: oh awesome please send me the link for that
0: which i'm going to send him the link for because you need 5000 uh, no not 5000 but 500 subscribers to change the url to something constructive
1: mm-hmm. so
0: uh, i'm just going to you know send the link to brian and um You're all going to be pretty bored by the end of that anyway. So hey, it's going to be fun.
1: I look forward to checking that out for sure, and I'd love to see your 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 next your Let's Plays.
0: Thank you, thank you. So that's it, and also it's me at SQ Historian. You know, stuff happens.
1: Sure, sure does. All right, folks, thank you so, so much for tuning in. We love to have you aboard. We love having you listen. We love having you write and send us voicemails and all of that stuff. And we love being corrected, too. So if we've boneheadedly uh, misstated one or all of the things that we said today, you know who's uh, head to clonk with a wooden mallet. <laughs> you can do your mallet clonking by means of the web, squarefm.demodulated.com, by email, squarefm@demodulated.com, and on Twitter, we are at squarewavesfm. You've right, got that so, thing uh, down,
0: Pat, haven't you?
1: I have to actually write it down at you the top did. of my notes I, every I single knew week. I knew you
0: did. I knew you had that written, written down because Fred and I have been, you know, like meticulously you know, going back and forth, going, can you do it faster than me? Can you do it? Because we've always done it from memory. Right.
1: I, I, have, I have no memory. Whatever memory I may have had, it has been obliterated in a terrible sea of vignettes. Like, teenage years
0: anyway uh brian just to close things off, i really want to thank you for having me back on your broadcast i promise to be more sober the next time um this is a a, a, a case of very very bad planning and i promise to uh give you a, br- a great big bro hog bro hog what the hell's a bro hog
1: oh i would love a bro-hawk. bro hog i don't know can we like, fry it? like we'll fry this, it up with this, the bacon.
0: this huge pig with great big hoggy arms <laughs>
1: It's um, got like ad- a big beard, the bro hog. I'm
0: scared now. Does it is- have teeth? I don't want teeth. Can you put the teeth away, I don't sir?
1: No,
0: I don't want teeth. <laughs> anyway. Okay.
1: We can detooth de- 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 the pro hog. Yeah.
0: I will give you a break. break grig growth hog. <laughs> this
1: this True is not toy well. spoken, sir. I think I think this is uh, Mother Nature's way of telling us to uh, dismount the hog and. Yeah, we're done. All right. Love you all super super much and all that gushy emotional stuff and uh <laughs> see ya like later on and things. <laughs> Bye. See ya.